All right, folks, welcome back to Life's Mountain with our football podcast edition. We're here to guide you through the offseason. Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennelly, as always, every, I assume every Sunday night. If I say it has to be true, right? Uh, we, they can assume that it's true. Once sure. a week. We will be out once a week, Sunday nights, Monday morning, whenever you get through this. We released last week's episode during the Super Bowl. That was a, maybe a good idea with the game being so terrible. <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> maybe if you'd be like, hey, I'll go listen to this and not watch the Super Bowl. If you did, we applaud you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So this show, here's what we got we're going on today. We last week we did our super hot takes, which I think we had a lot of we had a lot of responses. A lot of people liked it, were fun with it. This week, as we mentioned, we're gonna kinda of temper it back. Like here's kind of they're still stupid early, Matt, obviously, because they're still all probably gonna be wrong. Eighty percent of them, I'm thinking. Maybe it is early February after all. It is early February. So we're gonna discuss that. Uh, talk about our staff's rankings we did back in January just to see where people thought at the moment. But also we got some news. We got signing day that just wrapped up. We have um, what else? What were we talking about? Um, coaching news and changes, some weirdness in New Mexico. Um, was there something else we missed? I guess the Alliance American Football. If you watch that for a hot second, let us know if you enjoyed that. And uh, was there any other? I know you told me like four seconds before we started. Now I'm spacing on probably one item. Am I missing something? Well, maybe we could talk first about uh, Gabe Sewell leaving Nevada. That's right, Gabe Sewell, Nevada. Oh my gosh, what's going on with Nevada, Matt? Do you have any clue? What is Norvell losing control? Why are people leaving? I don't think so. I think it's just individual circumstances where, you know, obviously with McLean Mannix, it was a, it was a family issue. Mm -hmm. And so that makes a lot of sense. And in a different kind of way with uh, first Nephi Sewell and now Gabe Sewell leaving Nevada, I think it's just a similar kind of situation where it's not an indictment of the program per se, as much as just finding a different kind of fit. I would say, well, here's what Sewell, the defensive back, he's like, I'm going to BYU. Deleted the tweet. He's now at Utah, mm-hmm. which I would not be shocked about if Gabe goes to. He didn't really give a reason if Gabe Sewell goes to Utah as well, because I'm familiar with the University of Utah, and they lose a guy named Chase Hansen. He'll be drafted in the NFL draft. He was, I think, first team All Pac-12. Mm-hmm. So he could step in like Gabe. He started. He started every game but one at Nevada, leading tackler. I believe he's All Mountain West, some sort of consideration, without looking at the top of my head. But mm-hmm. they lose him. They bring in like he could step in and be like one of their best linebackers right away, which would be a shame that Nevada loses a player like that. But mm-hmm. it's not official because he's just speculating. His brother's there. He has another brother who's in Oregon right now, and he also has a younger brother that's going to be p- taking the FBS as well. I was looking around, saw his dad tweet a few things out, and he retweets all this. My kid, one of his kids, like twenty twenty though, so that may not influence where he goes. Mm-hmm. But it's like a huge football family, so they're going to be good. And for Nevada to lose. Another guy, two key defensive starters, a defense that's already losing what Malik Reed and probably a few others, I believe. So it's like it's it's a tough situation, but there's no real reason why. And we mentioned Norville before, Matt, saying transfer portal is going to screw everything up because people are going to leave left and right. And that's I don't know if that's always going to be the case. It's always overblown in the first year of some sort of rule change. Well, I think it kind of depends on your perspective. Like if you want to take the pessimistic point of view, you can point to the fact that Nevada was already, as you mentioned, losing a lot of pieces on the defensive side of the ball. Because you mentioned Malik Reed, Corey Rush is graduating, Asani Rufus is graduating. So being able to lose someone, especially in the middle of the defense, uh, and their leading tackler is not an insignificant loss. And you know, we talked a little bit about Bill Connolly's uh, returning production rankings last week and Nevada was kind of in the middle of the pack as far as what they were bringing back on defense so they are taking a hit in that regard but if you want to take the optimistic point of view it's not like the guy who was 
likely to step in, Lawson Hall. It's it's not like he is coming in kind of sight unseen. You know, he saw playing time pretty much all of last year as Sewell's backup. And he was one of the bigger names that they were able to bring in in the, their 2016 recruiting class. He's a three-star guy. And I think that maybe more so than some of the other places where Nevada's going to have questions on defense or maybe more accurately, who's going to step up in those different positions. I think if I were considering you know, the order of how pressing those questions are going to be, linebacker is somewhat of a lesser big deal. Sure. It, it is agree, but you have a guy who, like, if leading top guard on that team, probably be first team preseason all Mountain West, like, and you lose the other guys, it's hard to replace that. So there is talent mm. coming in, but if you go bigger picture of Nevada, Ty Gangy's gone. You mentioned McLean Mannix. They have Talatua there running the ball, but they, it's just accumulation of, okay, c- can you put a band aid or an A strap bandage over every position until it's ready to go fully? And so anytime you lose that type of talent, it's going to be a hit. I don't care who you have behind you, but. Maybe the concern is not shouldn't be that great, but it's still it's a big deal, especially like Nevada's defense showed bits and pieces of being good, but still overall it still was just okay. I mean, it could also be a, a situation where, as we've seen them, especially on the offensive side of the ball, they've given plenty of opportunities for true freshmen to play their way into the starting lineup, like Toa Tawa, yeah. like Romeo Daubs. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to all the receivers in the now all of a sudden I'm blank. Yeah, so they've shown more of an aggressiveness than a lot of other teams in the conference as far as giving guys the opportunity to step up and play. So even if it's not someone like Hall or someone like Malik Brody, you know, it's not like they haven't recruited pretty well in the last couple of years. They've at least been in the top half of the conference. Um, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Where I know we're going to talk a little bit about National Signing Day, but that is something that Nevada has done pretty well for themselves in the last couple of years. And so that's another reason why you can feel like, like I said, it's going to be a loss. There's no doubt about it, but it may not be as significant a loss because Nevada has been able to recruit so well behind him. We'd hope so. And Norville's been there a couple of years now. So maybe they'll, like I said, they give all the young guys ready to go to step up and give them a chance. Mm-hmm. And with now the, uh, you can play four games without right. Well, still retain your registered capability. So it's like, well, there's a chance that they may see a little bit of time, and it could be a two-year play for some of these guys that could step in. Does like, all right, you can play now if they play them early enough. Which each coach is still figuring out how to use that system to their advantage. Should I wait till the end for a bowl game when more players are hurt, or should I get them in for this FCS game or this other game that we probably should win to get them reps? And if they play well, keep them in. So we'll see how Nevada does it because they, like I said, the running back they put him in right away to play, at least early on, eased him in. It's like, oh, this dude can play. Let's give him some reps. So. We'll see. Um, let's do this. Let's go to some other new, uh, I guess, sort of attrition. What do you call a? We'll call it a staff shakeup. Is that the best way to put it for New Mexico? Uh, yeah, checks out. So, Matt, how would you feel if you're at a job? You're the number two guy, and they slip, slip, switch spots with you to be like the number three guy instead with some guy below you. How would that make you feel? Awkward I, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I think a lot of it would depend on performance overall. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, because I feel like if I were doing my job well, I would hope to be able to keep my spot. You were doing good enough to be around, but not be the main guy. So that's why I feel at Lobo. What's going on, Lobo Land here? Okay. Because they announced a new defensive coordinator, which it shouldn't be shocking, because they, I saw the headline or the tweet from who was it, um, Steve Virgin or Virgin from the mm-hmm. Albuquerque Journal, say Jordan Peterson 
New Mexico's pass, defensive pass coordinator and safety coach last year, is replacing Kevin Cosgrove as defensive coordinator. Okay, that on the service. Okay, they promote Cosgrove is out. Nope, he's hanging around. He'll be the linebackers coach. Mm-hmm. That is odd because I was looking through and I did my quick piece on it. Cosgrove has had a defense that's been what tenth to twelfth every year, but two his best years were fifth and sixth. And like I think I would I use like yards per play and total yards, which are okay stats to go through. Yards per play a bit better, but he's always been bad. I first off, let me see. What's the besides the kind of the little bit there? What's the point of doing this right after signing day? Because if they, because it's not like he, what Bob Dave woke up February sixth or third and said, "I don't need to make a move." He knew his defense wasn't very good. He know he has to. His job is on the line. If you're gonna make a move, a defensive coordinator, why not make a move two months ago when your season was over in Jane? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? January when there's more options instead of just flip flopping your staff and hoping it works because those team meetings are gonna be kind of weird. It's like, well, when I was defensive coordinator here, I did this. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. the timing is also kind of dumb. It's typical. Bob Davey does weird stuff. Yeah, and it's the timing is the most unusual thing about this, if only because you know the defense kind of took a step back after the gains that they made last year. Um, you know, if you look back by defensive S and P plus, for instance, going back to 2016, they were 121st, and then in 2017 they were able, they were actually able to get out of the triple digits. They were in the 90s, Ooh. which. <laughs> may not sound may not sound like a big deal, but it's generally better than where they've been recently. But in this past season, in 2018, they fell all the way back to 109th. So it's not like the move should surprise anybody. But the fact, like you said, that they didn't make it a long time ago is uh, questionable. Well, and just, just put it at that. Well, and if your defense wasn't good, what makes the linebacker safety? Excuse me, safety's coach that much better to have that open job when you're, he's already part of a defense as well as not very good. That's an excellent question. And so it's like, it's just odd. It's, it's just a weird situation. Like, cause we know Davey, like one of my hot takes last week, he's going to be gone. I know it's a money thing. There's a, a million things that's going wrong with New Mexico athletics, cutting sports, people getting sued, Lobo club, trying to hide money. Paul Krebs getting, isn't he under some sort of now official investigation? Yeah. For, I believe he was charged with several different felonies. To, uh, yeah. Go check out nmfishbowl.com. I don't know the specifics outside of he had that Scotland trip where it was sort of paid for by people themselves, donors, but also paid for by Lobo Club. Then the anonymous donor, using air quotes, ended up being Paul Krebs to pay it back. It's like there's a sort all sorts of mess going on. They're not making money. The attendance issues or figures are completely bogus and not correct about what they're getting because it goes through like, oh, you're part of Learfield who does the radio broadcast. They get 100 free tickets a game. You get free tickets or trade for sponsorship stuff. So like actual sold tickets is not there. So it's a, there's all sorts of stuff going on in Mexico. But this latest move, it's like, like I said, they they knew their defense wasn't very good. And why make a move when the pool to grab is so limited? So, Well, I mean, I think the other case that you can make, which, you know, Again, I feel like I'm jumping the gun talking about National Signing Day. It's okay. We're, we'll get there next. But, we'll get there. <laughs> but I think it's important to bring up now since we're talking about New Mexico because I think the picture that is emerging is that they're hoping a, like a complete overhaul is something that can help Bob Davey keep his job. But it's not an overhaul. That's the thing. This is a flip-flop around. It's not an overhaul. Maybe it is and maybe it isn't. But I think that one of the other things that maybe ties into this fact is 
is one, New Mexico ended up with the worst recruiting class in the Mountain West this year. Spoiler, not really. Spoiler. <laughs> Obvious. But, but more so than that, you know, among the three-star guys that they brought in. Wait, they I'm, got a three-star guy? Oh, they did bring in three-star guys. There you go. But, um, so I'm just going to do this count real quick in my head. That's fine. Guess how many three-star recruits they brought in straight out of high school. Oh, um, they they signed only thirteen players for their. Oh no, twenty seven players. Thirteen were three star. I'm sort of cheating from high school. I'm guessing you're going to say they're going to JUCO route again. So I'm going to say three, one, one. The rest were JUCO guys. The rest, yeah, every single one of them except so, for one. So what Davey's trying to do is pull on a uh, Bill Snyder or keep it in league. Eric Musselman mm-hmm. train train for guys to come in. Hopefully they can get up to speed and play get the game right away and go like. We'll get to a minute, but like a bowl game is out, is out of the question. So I he's just trying whatever he can, I guess, and hope he strikes lightning and goes does amazing with a new offense, a new defensive coordinator, and a dozen JUCO guys coming in to help right away. That combination does not mix well to me. Yeah, and if you're a New Mexico fan, I think if you have to be seriously concerned that if it doesn't come together this year, you, now all of a sudden you've basically thrown away the majority of a of a of a recruiting class and. Yeah. You, you it gets into that cycle where Lobos fans are very familiar with bottoming out, and if they can't turn it around this year, which I at the moment I have my doubts, but it's one of those things that it could easily extend into a years long process of trying to get out of it if it doesn't work out. Yeah, uh, they um, let's just go to the recruiting class right now. We'll just jump into there because we'll get to the team as well. Second, um, we'll see how long this goes. Maybe this might be a two parter. We'll see because we're gonna have a lot to talk about. So it's really quick. Not that we're gonna go through every recruiting class, but I just have the logos up here since we're talking about them. Um, like three star guys, like offensive line. They're gonna go heavy offensive line, a quarterback, a pro style quarterback. Which okay, I guess they're leaning that way now. Um, defender, they caught a handful of defenders. It's a pretty good mix, but it looks like they're leaning heavy on offensive line. Mm-hmm. Which in only this is odd for a team that ran the ball quite a bit. Only one running back on this on this class. Mm-hmm. So I, it's there. Here's the thing: you're not a great team. So maybe here's what here's a positive you take about it, not to be all overly negative because you remember Capri Bibbs at Colorado State, right? Yes. He worked his tail off. He did. Some of these guys go JUCO not because they're not good, it's because they didn't quite get the grades because people screw around in high school don't think it's all that important. And maybe they weren't quite academically eligible, eligible, or they didn't they didn't want to be preferred walk on, or walk on. They're like, okay, I can make a few bucks here, like scholarship wise, to go to school, and then end up there. So again, they are two star rated guys. Some are three, but maybe there's something like that where I didn't have quite the grades to get there, but I worked really hard at JUCO. I'm ready to go, and maybe they're overachieved because these recruiting services, like how how often are JUCO guys either a rated correctly? And B, get rated and recruited again, or not recruited, but looked at again after they're in college because they're not going to camps or based off who they're playing. And so, like, mm-hmm. there, there's a big deal. I remember years ago when Utah was in the Mountain West, like, oh, they got the number one Juco recruit. The guy was just okay. He, like, started a couple games, nothing special. He was fine. He was an, a fairly decent contributor, but people made a big deal. He's the number one Juco recruit in the country. He chose Utah. Well, how the heck did that happen? So, there's both ways. Capri Bibbs came in and was one of the best running backs for Colorado State ever. And so maybe the, one of these guys will be that, but like their class size is fine at 27, but I guess they're hoping these junior college guys will come in and make their case. And their best recruit was an uh, offensive tackle from Kansas from Fort Scott community college. Mm-hmm. And he's a big guy, six, seven, three forty five. That's a big deal. That's huge. 
So I don't know. It's it's at the bottom, but if they're going to do it, this is the way he's going to do it. Cause this is different. Like last year, I know they kind of build up. I know I'm hogging here, but like wide receivers, he brought in a bunch of Juco guys. They've been doing this for at least, I believe this is the third recruiting cycle of trying this route a little bit. It hasn't worked yet. So uh, I don't know. It's an uphill climb. Exactly. Um, any surprise overall out of the recruiting classes? We'll get, like anything that really stood out to you about performance from last year to this year's uh, results. Well, one of the things I pointed out, and you may have seen it on Twitter earlier in the week, was one thing that jumped out to me was the fact that on the whole, pretty much everybody in the conference recruited a little better than they have historically. And this is based off of 24-7 sports composite. So obviously take this with a grain of salt because that's just one perspective, you know. But I, rather than looking at the the point totals that they come up with, because I think a lot of that is staggered based not only on the quality of the recruit, but how many you're able to bring in. Quantity. But I thought it was interesting that by the average recruit score, 10 different teams ended up with a recruit average of over 80, which was twice as much as pretty much every other year, uh, at least in the past five years. Mm-hmm. And the only teams not in that mix are New Mexico, as we've kind of talked about, and Air Force. But even then, Air Force brought in like 50 guys. 50 and, guys! <laughs> and, and in a lot of instances, you know, the recruiting is uh, kind of, a, well, I don't want to say kind of irrelevant, but you know, they find guys for their system, and more often than not, it works out for them. That's why but for I think, them, But yeah, I think it's radio. a good sign for the health of the conference that they were able to recruit more competitively than they have in years past. It, it definitely is. I would say a couple surprises I see was Colorado State number two. See, I don't know that that qualifies as a surprise because if you go back and look at the past few years, you know, even though they've they've taken a hit in the win column, recruiting is something that Mike Bobo has been able to do pretty consistently well. Then coach better and get better wins. Don't go seven and six or three and nine this past year. Recruiting has not been the problem. It's been developing. I think that's been most of the problem so far. Yeah. Does this inc- – well, we'll get to your piece. Well, we talk about now CSU. Does that include their Auburn transfer? Probably not in this. No. So you have a piece coming up on him next week about Richard Higgins, Preston Williams perhaps, maybe. Uh, that That's a, that's a tease. I'm just saying. You'll, you'll, have to, you'll have to look out for that. And I talked about last week. Remember my take? Like, hey, mm-hmm. he's going to be the wide receiver. Nobody knows once it comes week three or four when he's eligible to play. But you're right. Like, maybe it's not a surprise he's recruiting well, but – this got to make friends, uh, Rams fans doubly or triply infiltr- infuriated. That's what I'm looking for, infuriated, that they're bringing in pretty good classes, like 80 na- 81 nationally. That's okay. But who cares? You want to compete within your conference. They mm. went from four to two because, yeah, it's like if you're 100th, who cares? But if you're third in the league, it's fine. And yeah. so it's like an SEC. Oh, I'm a top 25 class, but you're 12th in the conference because you're Missouri. So it's like, great, but you're competing against everybody else. Well, and going by that same average, too, the only team that had a better average recruit is Boise state who was number one in the conference. Yeah. And so I, it's just a, a part of the two with the Rams, a little bit, a little quarterback. Like I kind of joke about what Bob, not Bob Davies, see me Bobo does where he switches quarterbacks around. He's going to put this guy in that guy in. There's also been injury issues with that as well. So it's kind of some of both. Some of him just over, I think he's overthinking it when he brings guys in to play quarterback. So like he always wants competition. I think he opens it too much, but I also have like Colin Hill tears ACL again. You bring in a transfer stuff like that. And so what they really, their class is fine. Like they have a bunch of three-star guys. They got guys from all over the country, Louisiana, Texas, Georgia. If you look at where he gets the guys from, you know, it's like mostly from sec country. 
It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's because he has guys like a couple of California guys, a couple of Florida guys, a few Juco guys like everybody does. Like Orlando, like, like you have Orlando guys come in, Louisiana, you guys from Alabama, Georgia. Texas isn't really SEC country, depending on what part, but it's still kind of big. I mean, his neck of the woods where he's recruited before, which Rams have always recruited Texas because why not? There's a million players. You can get the fifth rated guy in one team and he could be pretty good for your squad just because mm-hmm. of the amount of depth they have. And everybody can't sign in state at Texas tech or Texas A&M. So I'm just surprised based on win totals. I know it's a multi-year thing, but like they're not doing, I don't know. It's just, you got to prove it right. At some point you got to actually get the wins. Yeah. But I think that, Alternatively, you could also argue pretty convincingly, I think, that they've integrated pieces from their most recruiting from their most recent recruiting classes, excuse me, into the starting lineup where even if they had up and down years last year, that experience is going to pay off for guys like, for instance, Devin Phillips or Nico Hall, who both of those Phillips was in the starting lineup pretty much all year last year. Nico Hall is probably going to step up and have a role with Ola B.C. Johnson and Preston Williams moving on to the NFL. Yeah. So I think the goal with this kind of recruiting success is, you know, even if last year represents kind of bottoming out, you know, I think the goal for 2019 realistically is don't take another step back, hold the line, improve if you can. It's hard to, right? Take a step back. Because they've, because they've laid a pretty strong foundation if the current coaching staff can make good on developing these guys. And that's the thing. It's like the if you if you're being consistently top third in your conference, you should be winning at least eight games, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? And like they had the one big year and they went to the Vegas Bowl a while back, but I don't know. We'll see. All right, where should we go? Should we just go to Boise State next, just because, or do I wait on them for a minute? You mean the uh, top fifty recruiting class? Tops in the. Um, all of the um, group of five. Yes, it is. I see you over there, America, with only what eight players to combine to R fourteen. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> power just, six. Am I right? N- no, you're not right. <laughs> uh, they, what's there to say? They did very. This is, I believe, this is their best recruiting class ever. Correct. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. So like, they got a. Um, you know what the funny thing is? I click on the little arrow to drop down. I see a punter pop up. I'm like, okay, that's just your latest commit. That's funny. Kind of just because mm-hmm. it's a punter. But they brought well, three. And, and I believe he's the brother of former Boise State kicker Sean Whale, isn't he? I'm not sure. Maybe. It makes sense. I think so. So they had three four-star guys, a bunch of three-star guys. Only one two-star guy on the whole roster. So, And looking at what they did last year, average is quite high, 85-5-2. They're 49th nationally. They'll probably finish, which is up seven spots last year. So they're creeping up higher and higher, and that's more than most of the power well, – what, half the Power 5 schools as well? Mm-hmm. So – I mean, this is this is why it's it's funny because, you know, people – some people from some fan bases think that we're, like, pro-Boise or things like that because we oftentimes pick them to win games or win conferences or divisions or whatever. This is why. And then, and then you look <laughs> at this recruiting class, and you're like, this is exactly why. You cannot count these guys out pretty much ever. And especially when you're considering that, oh, you know, they got what the number one JUCO tight end in the country. They got what a top five quarterback recruit in the country and Hank Bachmeyer. Mm -hmm. They've got running back from was it George Filoni? People are freaking out about. Oh yeah, yeah. They got a Lolani Longi. If you're familiar with that name, there's some pretty guys like Harvey Longi. A few other guys stay in Utah who are pretty good at Utah and BYU. So plenty of good players, but also people. If your team's good, we'll probably talk about them more. If you're interested, we'll talk about you more. 
if you're like the Mexico, who cares about the Mexico? But they're interesting because how crazy things are going on. We'll talk about them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's like that. Here's the primary reason why we do more, did more Utah State last year because hey, they're interesting. Coaching search and all, even during season, we did more Utah State stuff because hey, they're winning and they're interesting. So that's the reason why. So like Air Force, it's it's tough. They're they, they like to hide their defensive coordinator, Matt. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> but, well, th- th- I also saw something where Air Force took a recruit away from Alabama. Ooh, roll tide. There we go. They got that going. They got that going. There for you go. Well, who is that? Do you, know, do you happen to know? Is he? From, uh, are they from Alabama? I forget his name. I for, I don't remember. They do not have a player from Alabama on the roster from the signing class, I believe. Let me scroll up and see. No, so I'm not sure who it would be. That was my first guess to find out who they are. But would it be? Would it shock you that Air Force took ten offensive linemen? It would not. What about seven wide receivers? Well, considering they had what fifty recruits, twenty percent. Well, and they're another team that has they at least for this year from year to year they improved on what they did last year. Mm-hmm. You know, nationally they jumped twenty spots, and within the conference they jumped from tenth overall to eighth overall. And if even one or two of these three-star guys that they brought in, whether it's on the offensive line or maybe more importantly, they brought in three three-star safeties. Ooh, and one of, one of the big Achilles heels of these Falcons teams in recent history is the ability to, to stop giving up big plays. So if even one of those guys can step up and become the next Weston Steelhammer. Oh, that's a tough praise there. That's high praise. It, it is. But I think that if – you know, maybe that's the benefit of being able to bring in so many guys. Yeah. But like I said, Find all them. it takes all it takes is one or two guys to really make that big of a class worthwhile yeah, for we'll a team see. like Air Force. And they have Donald Hammond coming back. They have running backs coming back, and so um, let's see. Here's um, Utah State is interesting because here's what I like about Utah State. They they still end up being third overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're fourth or fifth, really, or maybe middle pack when it's average recruits. They did get twenty four, so that kind of skews a little bit. But like their average, I wish it twenty four seven could sort by average, but it doesn't allow me to. They're neck and neck with San Diego State and a shade behind Nevada, so I think they're like top five. Still. Yeah, and right behind Fresno, so they're right there. They're like top five. They're top half. So, and with the new head coach, it's a pretty big deal, even though it's a familiar coach. But Gary Anderson, he's ripping guys away. Like you see all the like transfers he's getting as well. He's get Riley Burt from BYU to come there, who will, I think he'll be running back because he lost Darwin Thompson. He could be a key guy there because. Um, well, I got a story I can't say about Riley Burr, but let's just move. We'll move on and keep going. <laughs> okay, all right. I have a story I can't say about him not being happy at BYU, but that's all I can say. I did notice that they did take a, a three-star dual-threat quarterback away from BYU, Cooper Legas. Yeah, and a guy from who was committed to USC as well, I believe. Yeah. So they are doing – Gary just knows what he's doing. And so, again, I don't care. People bash on me for saying the process for hiring the coach was bad. I still agree with that. He'll be fine. I'm, overall, we knew he'd be an okay coach, but I just the process, ugh, whatever. But they bring in 24, which is just a benefit, I think, more of them be winning 11 games. And looking at what they're doing offensively, I assume they'll sort of keep it the same with Jordan Love. And they go out and win 10-plus games, 11-2 and two this year. They're going to get guys late, like a guy from USC, a guy from BYU who's going to go there. Because, yes, oh, in the grand scheme of things, overall, Utah State's class is, I think, right there with BYU. And while Utah State's been better – at least this year, they moved up 20 spots or another team that moved up big. Mm-hmm. Getting the guy from BYU is big for their psyche because, oh, it's always BYU. They get them. But part of the reason they got the quarterback, now that BYU has Zach Wilson, a sophomore, this guy's not going to see the field for a while. Yeah. So regardless, whatever the circumstance is, it's still good to get those guys. Exactly. From other programs that would normally recruit better than you. Well, and no, by the way, according to 24-7 Sports, they also brought in two of their best five recruits ever. 
in Christian Laval inside linebacker and Hunter Hill at uh, offensive tackle. There you go. Uh, any other surprises you want to mention about signing day? Uh, maybe we could talk a brief minute about Wyoming. What, what's up with Wyoming? What catches your eye? Well, I saw a lot of Wyoming fans point out the fact that you know, between the initial signing day and the, the secondary signing day, they made a bigger jump in the standings than anybody else in the conference. Like, right. if you look at the points, for instance, they were able to jump Fresno State and UNLV to finish sixth overall. Mm-hmm. And so, like I was talking about, I think it was a week or two ago, where Wyoming might be in kind of a, a holding pattern for the next year or two while some of these recruits come into form. I think it's encouraging that Craig Bull was able to bring in such a strong recruiting class because, again, you're talking about teams that made a big jump from last year to this year. Last year, Huge. the Cowboys were 126th nationally. This year, they were able to crack the top 100 at number 99. More importantly, 12 to 6 within the league. Yes. So I think that, you know, even though they're replacing a lot on defense, even though but we'll talk more at length about what they're going to have to do on offense going forward pretty strong finish in the recruiting cycle for the Cowboys. Yeah, good for them. And everybody else um, did fine. UNLV did okay. Hawaii's a little bit lower than I thought they would be because they had success. But, uh, honestly, we get to our main main subject here? Let's do it. 2019 early stupid rankings because that's what we do here in February, right? Mm-hmm. So, here's what we're going to do. We have our – let's go over this, Matt. We have our staff rankings back on January 10th. Yeah. This is before we knew – transfers, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think – do you think too much has changed since then? I know Nevada lost another player, but I don't think overall a ton has changed. A couple of coaching changes like Hazleton from Wyoming is off to Kansas State to be the D.C. But overall, I don't think anything's changed too much. Is that Do you think that sounds about right? I don't know that there's been any singular event that would – I mean, I have my own personal rankings, which are a little different than this. Mm-hmm. But I think on the whole, I don't know that there's been one significant thing that would really cause a massive shakeup. I would agree. Let's do run down really quick what our staff did overall. Um, we had Fresno State. Well, first off, Fresno State, Boise State, and Utah State all earned a first-place vote. Mm-hmm. Fresno State had six first-place votes, but tied with Boise State, who had three overall, because I may have been the person that hurt that because I put Fresno fourth, I think. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Fresno State fan. Sorry, Matt. Uh, I, I, I don't forgive you, but continue. No, just kidding. <laughs> I had my Air Force at three, man. I gotta had to step on a limb for that one. Um, okay. I had the defensive losses kind of, or we'll see. But Utah State was third. San Diego State, Nevada, Hawaii, Wyoming, Air Force, eight. Man, that's way different than mine. CSU, nine. UNLV, 10. New Mexico, 11. San Jose State, 12. That's what our staff did overall back in January. I wish I had the point total for each one because somebody asked me to look into it. I just remember like four to seven was like minuscule, like points apart. So it's super mm-hmm. close. So where should we start with? Should we start with uh, at the bottom and go up, I guess, real quick? Yeah, might as well. We got the schedule. I'm thinking we should make this a two-parter here. Is that a good plan right now since we're already half an hour in? Yeah, we can play it by ear. We'll see. Maybe it'll be a super long podcast. You're lucky. All right, let's go to the bottom. Let's go at this bottom. San Jose State. We have the schedule laid out in front of us because the schedule finally came out, luckily, this week. You know what I like about all the schedules, not just San Jose State? But mm-hmm. you know there's a, only, right now, one week zero game with the Hawaii game? Yes, I do. The way the schedule sets up, most teams have like two buys, just about. You know what? I think that that generally is better for the conference. Yeah. San Jose State does not, though. But I think maybe they play 
13 games. I'm checking right now, but because they're like the opener really quick is August 29th on Thursday, which means that Saturday is August 31st. Yeah. So it's just a way the calendar strikes out. There's an extra week. This is the week they used to have years ago when you could actually schedule 12 games. Like every so often you can have 12 games because the amount of weeks in the season bear that out. But uh, San Jose State has one bye. But I like that too. Two bye weeks. Like I was looking at some Pac-12 schedules and other schedules. There's like a week three and a week nine bye, which is great for player safety. You don't get burned out health-wise. Um, catch a break to try something new in off week. Mm-hmm. But San Jose State, do they have 13 games? Does they count out loud here? No, the only team that does is Hawaii. Interesting. I wonder why they only have one bye week then. Probably just the way things worked out. Probably just the way things work out, I guess. Uh, so what what do we know about San Jose State? They lost, like, Josh Oliver's gone. Boogie Roberts is gone. A couple other guys are gone. They made no coaching staff changes. The quarterback is sort of solidified, right? Maybe? If he's healthy, I think Josh Love is going to be the guy. Asterisk, if healthy. And we talked about last week. So, like, here's who they have really quick. Like, they got, we're not going to go through each game, but, like, big picture stuff, like, they were last recruiting class. They weren't very good last year. Yet they did show when they, when they were healthy, a quarterback and like Tyler Nevin joining the ball, they showed a few things because they beat UNLV last year. Correct? Is that their mm-hmm. their victory they had in one of the conference victories? They played yes. San Diego State super close. I still remember that game. First half they were out playing Aztecs line both sides, just couldn't get it done. Lost by I think sixteen to thirteen. Super close game. So they've shown at times where they can do things. But they get to go to Arkansas, which even though Arkansas is terrible, that's a tough one. Like the road games in conference at Air Force, which is always tough. I guess in the Mountain Division side, they play Air Force, New Mexico, and then also Boise State. Mm-hmm. Not the toughest cross conference schedule, but they get Boise and New Mexico at home, so there's that. Well, and they also get Fresno at home too. True. Well, I know. I was just referring to. Uh, Interconference. Games. Oh yes, yes. So, so what do you, what do you make of them? Like their schedule sets up okay. Like who they have at home. Also have Aztecs at home. They get the tough games at home, which you know everyone happens at home games, but it's still a. They're still going to struggle. I'm sorry, 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 Spartans fans. Well, I mean, I think. And again, I think you're probably right because we saw them put together stretches where it looked like they were very competitive, and they threw scares into multiple teams last year. But like I said last week, it's mostly just a matter of putting together a complete 60 minutes on both sides of the ball. So even if that only happens like two or three times, I think that that is something that's more likely to happen at home than on the road. You know, And it wasn't like a massive split on offense, especially last year, but they did average over five, five yards per play at home last year versus only four and a half on the road. So I think that you know, even though the back end is kind of loaded with really tough games at home, Boise, Fresno, San Diego State, all coming to San Jose. I think it helps if you look at the front part of the schedule. There are beatable opponents. You know, you have to hope that they can come out and have a better effort against an FCS team like Northern Colorado, for instance, mm-hmm. in their opener. And Tulsa was not very good last year. So even though they're bringing a lot of pieces back, it's kind of an open question as to how good they're actually going to be. Sure. And they also get New Mexico in the middle of their schedule as well. And we just talked about how things are kind of a mess down in Albuquerque right now. So I think that if they can put together more complete efforts, there are more opportunities to steal wins at home, even if they might be a little more erratic on the road. I think the road schedule is a little more manageable this time around. Like Army's going to be tough. Yeah, of course, probably going to be tough and Nevada's probably going to be tough. Mm -hmm. 
but it's not going to take like a huge leap for them to really make a difference in the win column. Like if they can win three or four games, I think that the schedule sets up for them to be able to do that. You think they can win four games? I think they, I think there's a chance they can get there. Yeah. What are those four games? I'm curious. Uh, off the top of my head, I would say Northern Colorado, Tulsa, New Mexico, and then probably stealing one at UNLV. You think they'll beat Tulsa? I think they could. Interesting. Okay. Um, Tulsa was kind of a garbage fire last year. They were. Uh, they might be two wins for me again. I mean, I think there's a wide window of possibility. It just depends on how much everything comes together. Yeah, like who they're coming back to, like, like I mentioned, they lose a few players. It's a still a fairly newish coaching staff as they're in what year three now. Mm-hmm. Like looking at their like they're too deep. Like they need, and also remember what helped last year too. Like they had guys not play who were hurt part of last year. Yes, and so having guys step into play when others were out, maybe they weren't quite ready. That'll be a benefit this year. But like looking at who they have coming back, like production wise, they lose uh, based on their final two deep. Like one offensive lineman. Okay, tight mm-hmm. jo- tight end Josh, a pretty big deal. Quarterback's fine. They have Nevins back, who's going to be a junior. They lose a couple receivers, which probably a big issue. But most like here's the thing: if you have your whole offensive line back but one, and your best running, and you're a pretty good running back and a quarterback who's solid, that sets up for a lot of good things for them. And so offensively, like they showed signs last year, scoring some points. It's yeah. just finding out who's going to catch the ball and everything, and who's not going to catch. It. You know what I mean? Like, are they going to actually have guys catch the ball? Yeah, and so, I know we talked we talked a lot about like returning production on both sides of the ball, and mm-hmm. I think it's worth noting that among teams in the Mountain West, San Jose State is on the upper end of the experience coming back on both sides of the ball. So we'll see. They're about seventy first in the country, almost two thirds back. So for me, like if I'm going to put a kind of win total right now, like I know they're going to upset a team that that we're not thinking they may not, just because they're going to. Eventually, gotta get better, and they have. Mm-hmm. It's not like they have a whole new. A lot of things changing outside of a couple of guys. So hopefully, like I've always said years before, and I'll say it all the time: just because you played last year doesn't mean you're going to be automatically better the next year. Mm-hmm. But it's still a better positive to have that returning players who know the who've played against these teams, experience this high level football, than a new guy coming, even a JUCO guy coming who's trying to get a starting spot. So it's yeah. always a positive, but it's not a guarantee they'll be better. But I think I agree with you. Most of the games, like Northern Colorado, should be a win. Tulsa, maybe. Um, New Mexico probably should be a win. I guess UNLV. It's uh, The West is a tad better. Maybe Nevada could be a sneaky game just because of what they – new quarterback and a few things what they have to do to get back in action to get to what Norville wants them to do offensively. I I might peak – like Arkansas, like call me stupid. Arkansas's not very good. No, just but – Just saying. I know. I'm, but they're not going to get face smashed playing Arkansas over in Fayetteville. Because Arkansas brings about back about the same amount of talent as San Jose State. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, these are stupid early picks here, but I'm just saying watch for that game. That could be, it's after a bye week, so I have a bye week to prepare for it to an extra week. And so, just saying, you never know. I wouldn't mm-hmm. count that off as a blowout victory for Arkansas, because when's the last time Arkansas has blown out anybody? That's a good question. I so, don't know that off the top of my head. Probably not a win, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was, say, like a 30-13 to 13 game. Which would mm-hmm. be okay for me, I guess. If you're a Spartans fan, would you take that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. Last year, because remember last year they barely beat, or they lost Colorado State last year. Mm-hmm. They, they did. Hey, here's a here's a comparison. Possibly I look forward to. They beat Tulsa twenty three zero. Hmm. So, and outside of that, they beat Tulsa and FCS team. 
Eastern Illinois Panthers, 55 to 20. <laughs> yeah. Just it. All right. Uh, let's go to the next team. Let's go to New Mexico. Um, can I make a bold take a Maybe New Mexico will be worse than San Jose State. I, I don't know if that's necessarily a hot take. Uh, I think it's a fairly reasonable take. I put the Lobos last in my, my super-duper early rankings, 12th out of 12. I'm pretty sure I did, too. So how how can we convince each other convince each other that they're not going to be that bad? Uh, maybe I can frame it in the form of a question. <laughs> Zero to 100. Okay. What chance do you give them of beating Sam Houston State at home? Oh. I know I got to talk here. I can't just be quiet. Um, I want to say 20%. I should be higher I, than that. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be that low. <laughs> that, that's surprising. But, I mean, even coming off of a down year, Sam Houston State is exactly the kind of team that could come into you know, an FBS stadium and beat a team like New Mexico. They're a team that makes runs in the playoffs too, so... And it's not like the schedule gets much easier after that. You know, they go to Notre Dame. Playoff Notre uh, Dame team. Don't you know, they, all, they almost, <laughs> they, you know, they they blew it against New Mexico State last year, right? Or did they beat New Mexico State? I, I can't remember if that was a year ago or two years two ago. Two years ago they lost because they had that huge comeback. Remember that came up short? Oh, okay, yeah, you're right. They, I'm checking it out, but I'm pretty sure they won last year. And then they got lit up against Liberty, and now they got to go to Liberty. And they stole their offensive coordinator. They got insider secrets. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, New Mexico won last year 42-25 over the state Aggies. And then it doesn't really get much better than there. It's not like – I mean, there's nothing really in the conference schedule that stands out because, you know, they could basically alternate home and away games pretty much the entire time all the way – from San Jose State to their season ender against uh, at home against Utah State. No, it is every week. Oh no, you're right, except for those two games. But uh, it's even though there's opportunities for wins early in conference play, I just I don't know, man. Can I bet on zero and twelve right now? Is that is that a futures bet I can make at the moment? I'm sure if you, <laughs> I heard you know what I saw someone on on Twitter say that if you contact Bavada. And oh, ask them to give you the wait, odds. Wait, I something. forget. I, I get those emails all the time from Jimmy. I need to email him back to give me odds on these things, and hopefully they'll comply. So we'll have, we'll put together a list and we'll talk <laughs> yes. about that. Also, um, side note about Lobos, our new newest New Mexico Lobo writer, get an interview with Bob Davey next week, I believe. Nice. So we need to figure out some questions where we're not too mean about the Lobos to ask him because there are things I want to ask them, but I don't want him to cut the interview after four seconds. Yeah, we don't want the whole Mike Loxley treatment again. Yeah, we don't want any of that, anything like that. But we'll 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 figure it out with some questions to ask, have Roger to ask like Coach Davey later. But but realistically, like beating San Houston State is not a gimme. Like nope. bringing all maybe the JUCO guys were great. They probably honestly they probably will beat San Houston State. Like I gave like them what twenty percent chance to get to, to lose that game. Mm-hmm. It'll be it should be a win. Notre Dame's really good still. They'll get beat by Notre Dame. Like, maybe the Aggies. Like, the, here's the winnable games I see. You, New Mexico State, at Liberty, and at San Jose State. That's probably about it. I think I would throw Colorado State into the mix. Just because it's only be, If only because that game was a lot closer last year, too, than I think anybody expected. Sure, and I guess it depends how healthy Colin Hill really is. Like, he mm-hmm. should be fine. But I'd say maybe. I'd say three and a half. But, like, if let me ask you, zero to a hundred. What is more? Oh no, I can't do that because I won't work. Because I have too many options. What's more likely to happen? Zero wins, 
or nah, I, I'm, I'm asking the oddest question because I won't figure out well. So do you think they'll get zero wins? What's your percentage based on that going over? I mean, they say that it's it's really hard to go undefeated, but I think it's really hard to it's go harder. over too. Yeah. So I'm going to say, I don't know, 20%. Okay. That's pretty high though. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, probably. That's but... fine. No, no, that's fine. So I'm just curious because I'm trying to think like, could they get one win? They could luck their way into a win. But I don't know. There's like, what is there to be positive about? Like they're switching around quarterbacks. They have a new offensive coordinator. They're ro- like we mentioned earlier, rotating their staff within to shuffle within the staff to have a same guy who was in charge of defense get demoted, but still part of the defense. Promote a guy within who was part of a defense that wasn't very good. Now he's in charge. What difference is he going to make? Does this guy have these hidden ideas he could ever bring up that'll make this defense amazing? I'm going to guess no towards that. I guess we'll have to wait and find out. I I should have said 0 for 12 last week in our hot take show. They're honestly, they'll probably win two games. Now it sounds about right. Here's a hot take I'm going to say. I'm going to elaborate on my hot Bob Davey thing from last week. If they if they're over after the San Jose State game, he has to be gone. That's zero. I mean, it might just come back down to whether they have the money to actually. I know make that that's the thing. Like zero and five and losing to San Jose State. Or excuse me, Sam Houston State and San Jose State, State. San Jose State. They have to do it, right? I mean, you would think so, but I don't know that the situation in New Mexico is what you would call normal at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't think the uh, state legislator wants to bail out their fo- the football team at one of the universities. Yeah. Because there was something I saw about, hey, maybe the state can give money. Then the Mexico State fans chime in. Ahem. Excuse me, what about us? We're also a higher level ed- ed- institution there of education, also Division One. So what, what what do you think? Are they really going to get, what, one, two, three wins? Yeah, like I said, I think two, somewhere in the vicinity of two to wins. Sounds about right. All right. Let's move on to the next team here as we're going our way up. Uh, we'll kind of make this quicker because we deserve our huge previews. UNLV. They're tenth. I think that's way too low because I think potential is going to be the buzzword here all year round for or up until fall camp, spring football, summer workouts, and through like week four of the season. We're going to come back to two big things a lot in the off season. What are those? Uh, can they keep Armani Rogers healthy? Mm-hmm. Can the defense take a step forward? That's a good point. Those are probably the two biggest things. Because, because I mean, we're, I mean, because we, we've talked about the splits on an S&P Plus with other teams, but I think it's worth pointing out that you know, offensively versus defensively, the Rebels had an offense, even despite the injury to Armani Rogers, that was just outside the top fifty nationally. But their defense was ranked one hundred and seventeenth by by S and P Plus, and their special teams were one hundred and twenty eighth. So. Kind of like we talked about with Hawaii in the past, it may not take that much for them to take a dramatic leap forward. But that's a big if, given they, their recent history. Yeah, they got Southern Utah at home. Mm-hmm. Arkansas State, who's pretty good Sunbelt team. They go to, as I mentioned last week, defending Big Ten West champion Northwestern Wildcats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like, they have to go to tough games. Like, they go, here's the teams they play in the, in the Mountain Division at Wyoming, host Boise State back to back. And then they also have go to Colorado State. They do get what helps them out. San Jose State at home, Hawaii at home, just because I think Hawaii will be fine, but they're still a little bit mystery at quarterback. They get San Diego State at home. So they have some decent opportunities at home. It just, like I said, be those two things Rodgers and also, and to a lesser extent, Lexington Thomas is no longer there. Can Charles mm-hmm. Williams be that guy to step up and do what Thomas did? 
Well, like I said in the past, I think that I'm less concerned about that just because the guys that they have behind him are pretty good in their own right. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a matter of finding just enough balance in that offense where even if opponents know that the running game is coming, can Rodgers supplement that at least a little bit with his arm? Mm -hmm. They do have the, um, I forget his name, the freshman receiver had a couple big games last year as well. Tyler Collins. That's right, Tyler Collins, yeah. So maybe he takes the next step and they actually have a – a pretty big, another big, because they've had good receivers like Devontae Boyd. They've had good receivers over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. They just, if Rodgers, who's in his third year, if he's healthy, this should, this should be the year. And Tony Sanchez is this year five for him, right? Uh, yes. This should be the year they make a big leap and win at least seven games. I don't know if and, they will, though. Well, and I don't know if they will either because, in part, you know, they're going to have to figure out how to find some good wins early. Because you mentioned Southern Utah, but then after that, they host Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. And that was a game last year that they probably should have won and kind of gave it away. And you know, even though the Red Wolves are losing some key pieces like Justin Hansen, they're still likely to be a pretty good team. And then they go at Northwestern, at Wyoming, and then home versus Boise. I think if they're going to get to bowl eligibility, they're going to have to win one of those games. Which one is you think is most likely to win? I mean, I think almost by default, you'd have to say at Wyoming, because if the Cowboys have the kind of offensive deficiencies that they really struggled with early last year, that's a game that's a game that UNLV could definitely sneak up on. But mm-hmm. of course, that's a kind of a wait and see situation. You know, at Northwestern, the Wildcats didn't exactly set the world on fire when they won a Big Ten division last year. But I saw the I saw the um, oh, that was a different game. Never mind. Go ahead. Like they're they're like Arkansas State, likely to be good if not great. And Boise State, of course, still going to be Boise State, even with the new quarterback, new running back, new top receiver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think you go back to the point we made earlier. Like you can, you basically can't count the Broncos out ever. No. Um. One. Also, I think Vanderbilt's a sneaky possible win on the schedule. I know I mentioned it last year when they played. Um, who was Nevada? It? Nevada. It was terrible. Or if you're watching the college basketball early preview, Nevada. Mm-hmm. False, not true. It's Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> um, but looking at what they bring back, they're they do bring back a lot of offense, which could be the issue. But they bring back like nobody on defense. They bring back less than half of their production on defense, mm-hmm. and so they're like one nineteenth out of what one thirty. So if Rogers gets going, if Williams is fine, if uh, Tyreek the receivers get going, that could be a game where possible. But that stretch is tough. Like at Wyoming, defense will be hard to score on hosting Boise, go to Vanderbilt, go to Fresno, come back home and play San Diego State. That stretch is pretty tough. Yeah. And so I think Vanderbilt could be a sneaky game to look for. Like, they'll probably be like a touchdown underdog in that game, but Vanderbilt's not going to be as good as last year. You and at least should be better than last year. That could be another one of those key games, like, to get to bowl game. Like, if they're going to bowl game, Southern Utah needs to be a win. Arkansas State needs to be a win. Um, At Wyoming needs to be a win. Uh, Colorado State needs to be a win. San Jose State needs to be a win. And that's only five. Mm-hmm. Can they win? Beat Nevada on the road? I know they beat them last year. They got the cannon. Can they beat San Diego State at home? Who, who knows who the quarterback's going to be? Can they beat the Rams who are struggling on the road because they won three games last year? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're a bowl game. Let me ask you this real quick: If they don't go to bowl game, is uh, Tony Sanchez gone? Oh man, that is an excellent question. My first instinct is to say no. Why is that? 
because I think that, you know, if you give him more than one opportunity to win with Rodgers, because let's not forget, Rodgers is only scheduled to be a junior this year, right? Correct, yes. If you give him two years to try to win with Armani Rodgers and the offense that he's built, I think that is, if it were me making the decisions, that would be the kind of leeway that I would give Sanchez, is I would give him the opportunity to win with the offense that he's recruited and built. I'd agree, because how weird would it be? Let's just say they go 5-7, and seven, not saying they will. Like, oh, it's five losing records, five losing five losing seasons in a row. They have a new AD, which complicates things a little bit if you want to keep them around. Mm-hmm. So that's the big thing to look at. Like, they always say, oh, the AD is going to look at the program, talk to the coach. The AD does that with every coach in every program, and we know they do that. But when it's not the guy you hired, they don't make the hire. But how weird would it be? And pretty, I, I, I agree with you. They should keep them around because of those reasons. But it would, they, they, like, what happens if they go five and seven? New coach, I got a senior quarterback. Okay, I got okay. I got this receiver who's a junior now who's shown to do, be pretty well. The running game's shown to be fairly consistent. We got guys coming up. They hire a decent coach and go like eight and four when it's really Sanchez doing all the hard, hard work for a program that's been historically terrible, and he doesn't get the credit for that because he couldn't quite get the wins. Mm-hmm. And also, that on to be honest, that Howard game, had they won the Howard game, they'd been safe because they'd gone to a bowl game. That's true. That'd be or safer. I agree. Like I've mentioned a couple times, do the Kentucky model. Mark Shoops has been there for six, seven, eight years now, and he's gotten Kentucky to be top twenty team. Not that Rebels will be, but relative speaking, that's a program that's always cycling coaches every three to five years. Let a guy ride out six, at least six years, maybe seven years. Like they, I, mean, I, I think the difference between like four or five wins and seven or eight wins, and, and maybe this is me repeating myself from a year ago, but it's got to be the defense. Yeah, it is because. You know, they like I said, they were 117th last year. They were 114th the year before that, and they were 116th in 2016. At some point, something's got to give on that side of the ball. Maybe. All right, next team, next team here. Let's, let's go through the next one. Next one is oh, my tab is gone. Colorado. Oh, good old Bobo. I'm glad Bobo's feeling better. His health scare was a really big concern. Um, that defense, man. Can we just can we just people rewind and listen to the defensive part of UNLV? Because that's the same thing for the Rams here. Defense has been just awful. They're kind of in that same group where they're going to rebound. The offense is probably going to have to lead the way, and they need a healthy quarterback. But like we said before, or at least what I at least like I said before, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you can take heart with the fact that they've recruited really well. Yeah, and so even if it's even if you look back this time next year and say that the product was somewhat uneven in 2019, I think there's enough in place where they can, I don't know, can they climb to five wins? I think they can with the schedule that they have. I think so. Cause they got, they obviously got the Colorado game. How are the buffs supposed to be next year? Have we looked into them too much? Uh, I have not at the moment. No, they are. Um, let's see. They're not very good. Clearly we know that. Um, Cause they fell apart after losing players that year before I'm trying to see something really quick if my tabs work ah, they, do, they do bring a lot more back on offense than they do on defense that's just like yeah they, they bring a decent amount of back guys but was, they are but they are starting over with a new head coach Mel Tucker oh that's right where was he from before previous Alabama Alabama oh was he their defensive coordinator yes he was okay yes I know, I know stuff he wasn't Dan who saved like where's Dan where's Dan that was a funny story he's on a plane to go coach at Miami or whatever he was mm-hmm. but with uh, the Rams, the biggest thing, um, you'll have your piece on the wide receiver from Auburn. Um, what's his name again? Um, 
the wide receiver for CSU transfer. Are you talking about Nate Craig Myers? Yes, Nate Craig Myers. I was going to say something completely different, and I didn't want to ruin myself <laughs> again with names. He can be a big issue, but here's the thing. They lose Izzy Matthews. They have a terrible defense. Offense may be okay. I, I'm not going to put too much into Rams doing that, but like you say five wins maybe. If they have Colin Hill healthy, I think things could happen and do well. But remember last year, it wasn't the offensive problem for the most part, at least not the passing game. If you squint, you can make a case that the offense could surprise. Where were we squinting at? Even even despite the fact that they're losing so much on that side of the ball, you know, not only Preston Williams and OBC Johnson, but Izzy Matthews is gone too. Um, you know, one thing I look at is the offense at least was a lot better in conference play than it was in non-conference play. You know, by the to the tune of nearly a yard and a half per play, and while that wasn't always reflected in a, on a weekly basis, because you know they did have the quarterback issues shuffling in Hill and with KJ Carter Samuels and things like that, mm-hmm. it is worth noting, and maybe a small sample size caveats apply. They had two of their best offensive performances at the end of last year against Utah State and Air Force. Granted, they lost both those games by uh, one score, but that's still something that if you're a Rams fan, you know that was a Colin Hill-led effort at the end of the at the end of the year. And if they can integrate skill position players in the same way that they have in the last couple of years, like I don't, nobody expected Preston Williams to blow up the, the way that he did. So what's to say that someone else like Craig Myers or Warren Jackson or Cameron Butler can do the same thing? If the offense can be fi- or the defense can be fine or even below average as opposed to abysmal, I'm not going to say that they're they're going to rebound to make a bowl game or something like that. But they could be they could surprise some people is what I'm saying. Here's what I think: be cautious about that. They lose three starting offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. They lose two starting wide receivers, starting running back. And how awkward would it be if they have two receivers drafted in May? And they couldn't get things done with two NFL wide receivers on the roster. But I think, but I think more so than a lot of other teams, there's a really crucial four game stretch in the middle of Colorado State's schedule that I think is going to make or break their fall. You know, and and it starts with that last non conference game against Toledo at home, Mm -hmm. and then they go at Utah State, home versus San Diego State at New Mexico. What's that? One win, maybe, maybe two, maybe two. If I they, think, so I think if the, if the offense can get it together, you know we we've talked about the questions surrounding what San Diego State's offense is going to look like. You know, maybe you can make a case for three wins. Oh, that's maybe. spicy, spicy. But like I said, I think <laughs> it's, it's it's if a lot of their ifs come out on the on the kind of the really positive end of the spectrum, the bell curve, if you will. Yeah, and a couple of good things like they get UNLV at home. Air Force at home, Boise at home, but they never beat Boise really, so it doesn't matter. Uh, my Colorado's not very good. They almost beat Arkansas last year, but that's I. They did beat Arkansas. Oh no, they, sorry, they, that's right. They they had to come back to beat Arkansas. That's right, twenty four seventeen. I would say overall, like, like here's the game. Like they could beat Colorado. I think they could. Mm-hmm. They they should beat. Whoops, I clicked the schedule. They should beat Western Illinois. They should. Could, they should. Yeah, I know. Should they could beat Arkansas again. They could beat Toledo. They could beat New Mexico. They should beat New Mexico. They, I seriously think they could beat San Diego State. They could beat UNLV. They could beat Wyoming. There's all they could, but I think you're right. It has to everything go together to be right. Because at some point, 
recruiting class has to show up. They've had good <clears throat> classes the past couple of years. They need to step up and show it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I was optimistic on CSU last year. I'm tempering my expectations a lot more this time around. So was I last year. I was way too high on them. So, like, what are you thinking right now for win totals? Yeah. Um, let me pull up the schedule again. I actually went to Twitter, so um, I think. Uh, like here's my thing: the only two gimme wins that should, like again, should. I think you only see two guaranteed wins on their schedule at New Mexico and Western Illinois. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say four wins. I think I, that sounds about right. I just I think they could be better than that, but like because again, if you have a quarterback, if the receiver transfer comes in to replace Williams and then followed by Higgins previously, it's hard to do to keep that same production, but. I'm not over the moon on what this team has done defensively. They can't do anything, it seems like. This is year two of their new defensive coordinator after Marty English retired. But I think four wins is probably about where I'm comfortable saying. Could they I win more? You, Maybe, I, but... I think you could lay out a case that they can get to 6-6 six and six and get bowl eligible. But I would put those odds at less than 50%. Yeah, because how many toss-up games are you really going to win? That's yeah, that's the question, and that's why they call them toss-up games. Yeah, I guess that's why I said like maybe Colorado, maybe Arkansas, maybe Toledo. Like maybe mm-hmm. I'm leaning maybe a tad more to Toledo, but they're always pretty good in the MAC. So all right, mm-hmm. let's move on to the next team. What do we got here? Air Force. Air Force. Uh, should I start first since I like Air Force more than anybody else probably ever outside of maybe the kids' parents? <laughs> I was gonna say we already know your take, right? Ten and three. I'm calling it. Is that? Is, let me be honest with you. You tell me, is that just super far-fetched and should not be even uttered about how good they could be? Well, I mean, you're. I think you're already committed to that take. I know, I, I am, but, like, is there any way you could somewhat agree with me at all? Because, let's start here. They're going to be better than last year, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, crap, you paused. Hesitate. I oh, think, man. no, I think that they will, and I think the case for that revolves around Donald Hammond. Because if you dig into the numbers, and and they had a lot of quarterback shuffling last year, not only with with Hammond and Isaiah Sanders, but Arian Workman started a couple games in Mm -hmm. September as well. But if you look at what they did week by week, you can see that on a per-play basis, the offense generally was better when Hammond was under center. So with a a full offseason to run this offense, yeah, I think you can make a case the offense is going to be better, but... Broken record time again. Defense, defense, alert. <laughs> defense, but I think that the defense is on more solid ground compared to some of these other teams that we've talked about because we know they're going to have at least a couple of difference makers who could swing a game, and, and guys like Jordan Jackson, mm-hmm. guys like you know, Lakota Wills, um, and on the back end, someone like Zane Lewis. You know, those guys showed that they can make plays last year. And it's just a matter of, of being more consistent, you know, like I said before, uh, avoiding big plays and just kind of getting back to where that defense was two or three years ago is, you know, the biggest difference between what they were last year and getting back to where they've been accustomed to been. Yeah, they bring back, they're including Donald Hammond, their top four rushers from last year. Yeah. Which is huge for this offense. Even though the fourth guy only played nine games, he was up there in overall in yards in the Mountain West. So that's yes. where I'm coming from. Is per, like if, if you look at the production coming back over what Bill C. did, it's kind of misleading a bit just because Hammond didn't play all these games. His production returning would have been higher if he played mm-hmm. more games because he's hurt and was sad a few games. So offense is only sitting at 72, but they bring most of those guys back. 
And like you mentioned, Zane in the secondary he had like what seven PBUs, six pass defendants, defense interception as well. Mm-hmm. I just think the amount coming back, and when you're at the academy, when you're returning guys who are disciplined and know what they're doing, and go with it, they're going to be good. And plus, your schedule sets up nicely because they get their tough games like early on. Really, they get I, okay, not Colgate, but the only issue with them is they get a bye week too, which is tough for them. They go mm-hmm. they go to Colorado, which honestly. That that could be that should be a victory. I think that could be. They go to Boise State, which will be tough. But here's the thing about that: it's early. Both teams are going to be healthy. No no major injuries. And like we mentioned before, and we'll talk about Boise again: new quarterback, new running back, new wide receiver, replacing multiple defenders. Even though they restack and reload early on, they could struggle. And heck, they typically almost always have some sort of issue for a little bit versus Air Force. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to look any further back than last year. Yeah, and so it's like that's a perfect timing to play them early where they're still getting their stuff together. Then they get San Jose State. They go to Navy, who's not going to be that good this year. That Fresno comes to town. Utah State comes to town. Army comes to town. Wyoming comes to town. All their tough games are at home except for Boise State. Mm-hmm. That's part of my thing. Like, Tell me they shouldn't be better and contend for the conference title this year. I mean... I can't dismiss it because they could definitely have a 2015 type run in them. Where did you rank them at in our preseason thing? In from oh man, that was so long ago. I honestly don't remember. Did you I have think I, I think I had them kind of in the middle of the pack, if not eighth. I think I probably had them like fifth or sixth. I should pull up our staff while we're talking. The rest of I should pull that up. But I put them third, and that's part of the reason why. Sorry, Fresno State's not a number one overall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, sorry to bust that for you but like they should be better like again your spot on defense needs to be better but this sets up the only difference i'd like to have is their bye week was different in the year because they they might like honestly like i think the losses i had were army and boise state Mm -hmm. because those seem like the most likely losses on their schedule i'm not not to disparage fresno state but army seems to have a lot more coming back and it's a rivalry game it's late in the year but like like for being serious, you're like they could lose Utah State, they could lose at Hawaii. That'll be tough. They could lose to Fresno at home, but the, everything is that's difficult sets up fine for them. Like their toughest game, like away from home, is what at Hawaii or at Colorado? Probably Hawaii, I'd say, is more difficult than going to Colorado. Yeah, I think so. And so, like, I do you see them being at least a bowl team this year? I think if they finished with a losing record that would be a massive disappointment okay so that's a yes that's the opposite way of saying yes <laughs> yeah i mean i don't i don't i i'm not on board the 10 win train like you are come on join this funny room i'm the only one on here <laughs> but i would be very shocked if they didn't at least get back to six and six do you think anything better than that i think there's a better than 50 percent chance yeah oh come on you like to waffle too much well, and here's, here's the other thing. It's February too, so like fine. Air Force was down last year, but they also won. They also lost like one, two, three, four, five games by eight points or less. There you go. That is easily the kind of thing that could turn around. They were two and five last year in, in games decided by one score or less. So if they can at least break even in that regard, you know, all of a sudden you're talking about moving from. A five-win team to a seven-win team, or right. even better than that. So I pulled up the rankings for the point total and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I put Air Force third. The next highest was sixth. So we had third, six, seven. Most people had them eight or ninth. Okay. I know I'm not alone. I'm not. I'm not dumb. I'm not saying it, but I'm just saying here's my setting up the reason why they could win ten games. Oh yeah, I get it. 
it's yeah home schedule but let's move on to next team because unless there's anything else you want to add to uh air force no i think i'm all set all right so next on our list we had who is going again bottom to top seven wyoming their biggest deal is losing scotty hazelton which is a huge loss they have a new defensive coordinator from within they lose nico evans which is a huge blow to the offense that was dreadful at best but they won six games last year so what are we go- what are we going with here my first one my the first thing i wonder is like is 2019 gonna look similar to 2018 where where wyoming beats the teams you would expect them to beat and loses fairly comfortably against the teams you would expect them to lose to oh they open up versus missouri Mm -hmm. at home like they go to texas state like they i don't know their schedule's fine like they get texas state on the road Idaho comes to town, Tulsa on the road. Eh. Impossibly, because they get UNLV at home, they get New Mexico at home, they get Nevada at home, they get CSU at home. Like, those are all games they probably could win. Like, their November, though, by contrast, is really tough. Yeah. They they end the year with three, three out of four road games at Boise State, at Utah State, at Air Force to close out the year. Those are probably the top three teams in the Mountain Division. Mm-hmm. And then they host rivalry week in there too, CSU. So there's going to be a lot of emotion on that one as well. So uh, I think I think if they are going to hold on to what they were able to accomplish last year, it's going to come early. Well, yeah, because like Texas State could be a win. Is it Bob? Is it should be? It should be. Okay, that's why I said can not could. Is it Bob Smith their OC now there at Texas State? Is he? I forget. I think he is. I think he just got hired there. Um, they get the FCS Vandals. Then go to Tulsa. Yeah, you're right. Like the first two, three, five games, they could be three and two or four and one possibly. Mm-hmm. After that, they get the off week San Diego State, which we'll get to. But the biggest thing for them, like who's going to run the ball? And is here's the two quarterback. Um, oh, shoot. Shay. Oh, crap. What's his Sean name? Chambers. Sean Chambers. Oh, geez. Sean Chambers. If he's healthy, when he played, he actually, the team actually looked better when he was passing the ball and throwing the ball. Mm hmm. And if he's back and they find a running back who could do something, if they recruited well, which eh, they not really, kind of, but that's a big thing with them. Defense will be fine, even with the new coordinator and losing a couple guys like Andrew Wingard, Carl Granderson. eofon uh, has gone too, so it's like they still have Logan Wilson back there. They have a few other guys back there who are good. It'll be fine. The offense has to do, pull their own weight. Yeah, I mean, I think the offense definitely has to get a, off to a faster start than they did off a lot of times last year. But I think if Chambers is healthy, they have enough proven guys behind Nico Evans. Like I mentioned, Xavier Valade a week or two ago. You know, if he can step up and be the guy, or if they can at least get a committee going, you know, they can run a similar kind of offense that they did last year, and probably be just fine most of the time. I mean, I don't think that if 2019 is a light class season, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing, because Wyoming as we talked about earlier with recruiting and things like that, they put themselves in a position where if they can avoid taking a significant step back, that they might be pretty close to a lot of sustained success with all of the guys that they brought in over the last few years. All right. Can I bring up some fun breaking news here? Yes. So there actually was a serve pro first responder bowl, bowl uh, champion bowl. Mm-hmm. Boise state got to win over Boston college. You want to know how, how in softball. 
I just saw was that. It, was it, no, I thought I saw something where the that originally scheduled game was delayed by lightning. That yes, it was. Yes, two months in that, in Texas. Yep. <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> that's wild, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Let's get back to. Um, sorry about that. I saw that. I'm like, I got to bring it up because we talked about the stupid T-shirt last time or a couple weeks ago. Uh, and, Wyoming. So, what's your thing? Is Wyoming going to actually get to a bowl, make a bowl game this year? Because they made six. They were six and six last year and got shut out. I mean, I think that they should be in a position to be right at six and six again. I don't know, because I, I put them. And now that I have my rankings in front of me that I did early on, I put them at seven. Mm-hmm. I I still want to see more of the offense because without Nico, without Nico running the ball, they were just terrible. And he was the best running back in the conference last year. Like for what he had to work with, he had to do more with less and still put up huge numbers. Mm-hmm. And they don't have that offensively. And so those chambers can figure something out and they get some receivers or tight ends or something to get going. I don't know if they'll make a bowl game this year. It'll be close because, like I said, like who they play and when they play, like Idaho, Texas State, Tulsa could be wins. That's maybe three wins there. Probably New Mexico four, maybe CSU five. I'm hovering around that five-wood mark for them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that they're going to be a serious conference contender per se. That's out of the question right now. I'll say it. Booking. But I think they, but I think they could be the kind of team to sneak up on on someone in a given week and throw the conference race into upheaval. You know what game that's going to be? At San Diego State. It could be because after bye week, Aztecs. Eh, we'll see. They're not prolifically offensive sound. They playing a really good defensive team. That could be a game to look out for. That could be an upset for the Cowboys. It it could also be your ten win Air Force team as well. <sighs> Keep that out of your mouth. No, <laughs> no, no, no that, I'm, that's a possibility. That's a real, very realistic possibility. All right, I, mean, I think Wyoming's probably final word. They're probably the toughest team to predict out of everybody. You think so? I think. Why is that? I think so. Just because they're losing so much, but the schedule is a little more forgiving on the front end, and they still have enough pieces to make you think that they could sneak up on people. Maybe. I I could see that. I just, want, I just want the offense to be better. It's just yeah. tough to see. All right. Next in our list is Hawaii, mm-hmm. who um, last year started off, we're fully on that train, doing amazing things, and then it sunk faster than the Titanic. So, which, that's probably lame, but whatever. It sunk quickly at the end. That's my boat analogy or my ghosty, right? When you're out of analogies. Now, see, you were optimistic about Air Force. Yeah. Oh. I'm optimistic dual? about Hawaii. So let's have a Hawaii Air Force Mountain West title game. Run and shoot versus a triple option. Wouldn't that be something? That'd be amazing. <laughs> See, I think that the, I think that you know their road trip to Washington side. The one thing that Hawaii has going for them is that I would say that their schedule is a little more forgiving than the Falcons. I think that for Arizona sure. State's beatable. I think that Oregon State's beatable. I think that you mean Arizona or. Did I say Arizona? Oh, I typed Arizona State yeah, for sorry. some reason. My bad. Okay. Um, so scratch that. Well, I think that that's still the same. I think that Kevin Sumlin's Wildcats team is uh, not there yet. Not there yet. You know, going to Nevada and Boise State back to back is going to be a challenge. They get a week off in between there. For some reason, get... I'm looking at the schedule. They don't put off weeks every time I just realized. So there's yeah. an off week in between there, which is helpful. Yeah. But they also get a lot of their tough division games at home. They get Fresno State on the island. They get San Diego State on the island. Army team. And, yeah, and they get Army on the island. 
eight so, home games. If they can hold serve at home, it's eight wins. Which which they did more often than not last year. That's a team that could contend for a division title. So let's say this. Uh, let's say they do win every game at home because the Army game is going to be tough. Because mm-hmm. that uh, there's also quarterback issues, but we'll get that in a moment here. So let's say they do run the table at home, which again, like I said, very pos- very like not likely, but possible. Like it's tough to go to go to Hawaii if their offense should take a step forward. Whoever's at quarterback, Cordero or Cole McDonald, then they go to like beating Fresno at home will be tough. That'll be obviously difficult. Beating Army at home will be tough. San Diego State at home, we'll see. They go to UNLV, which we mentioned before, defensive issues. We're not sold on them being amazing or great. Then they have New Mexico on the road. That should be a win. Like Boise and Nevada, like you said, those two, two game stretch. And then also, obviously, going to Washington. Even then, new quarterback. Washington doesn't score a lot of points. They weren't very good put, putting points on scoreboard last year when they played like the Pac 12 title game was like dreadful. No offensive t- points in that game or touchdowns in that game. They won 10 7 off a, or 7 to 3, I think it was, or 10 3 off a pick six. And I'm pretty sure they're losing a lot on defense too. Yeah. And so is this, so is this white team your sneaky title contender team? I think if I were looking at the schedules right now and if I had to pick a team, yeah, I would say Hawaii. Can we get, um, can we petition ESPN? If Hawaii hosts a title game, Robert Kikalula is part of the call. <laughs> Can we get college game day on the islands? Is that possible? Oh, I did see a post today. I didn't read it because 24-7 Sports puts huge photos, so it makes it lag time impossible to read their website half the time. Same with SI. SI, get together. 24-7, get together. We don't need giant high-risk photos to kill my computer screen. Um, would an undefeated... Hawaii, if they beat Washington, that'd be huge. Oh well, no, at Hawaii, so hold on, at Hawaii. Um, uh, would it would it be worth it for undefeated Hawaii versus undefeated Air Force? Would that be worth game day? Uh, I don't know. What about Fresno State undefeated? Or no, that... no, no, maybe. Or Army supposed to be really good this year. Just saying, Army, Hawaii, end of the year? Maybe. I mean, I don't think anybody at ESPN would say no. I don't think the on-field personalities, or the on-camera personalities, rather, they would, not like would, that would say no. Would I think they would hate a trip to Hawaii. Because the, the show starts the same time, no matter where you're at. It's so <laughs> 9 Eastern is how it starts, I think. That would be amazing. 3 a.m. <laughs> Let's do it. Can they get Herb Street to that game and leave town for whatever game he has to go to after? That would be awesome. Um... Dang, I don't. It would take something. It would take them being really, really good. Obviously, it'd be a huge game. Like I could see maybe Fresno if they do great, but that would be something because they've never been to Hawaii. They've done a feature or two at Hawaii during game day, mm-hmm. but they've never been there live. I I don't know if that's the case because that'd require them beating Washington, beating Washington. Yeah, I mean they're kind of in the same boat that Colorado State and UNLV are in, and Air Force too. Like you, know, the offense is probably going to be ahead of the defense. But how that shakes out is going to determine how far they go in 2019. I still think it depends who's going to be quarterback because they switch with Cordero and Cole McDonald throughout. Mm-hmm. And they lose Fred Holley, I believe, is gone. Is that correct? I believe so. If they lo- no, I'll double check here. But what they need last year, what we saw early in the year is maybe um, Rolovich be a little more conservative. Don't go for it on fourth down as much as you are. Um, they lose, yeah, they lose, okay, no, no, they have Holly. I, I heartily disagree with that, by the way. I say a little bit, a little bit. Be more conscious about it. 
Like they, no, Holly comes back. Uh, Fruta comes back. Who came up big? They lose Cedric Bird, John Arsura, which are big deals. But they have Juju Ward back there, and so they do bring back the entirety of their offensive line. So they bring back everybody, but which are I say but, but it's a huge thing with um the two um, receivers, Cedric Bird or no Bird's back too. I apologize, just Arsura is gone. Oh, mm-hmm. dang, you might be on something, Matt. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I okay. I'm telling you to quarterback. If they, if it's a quarterback that knows what, sorry, not. No, I was going to say something kind of not sounding nicely. If they stick with the quarterback they believe in and don't change a lot, this could be a big deal. By the way, Hawaii was almost sixty percent on fourth downs last year. Okay, so I think you can make a case that it worked out. You could. I may. I maybe it's that Army game that kind of got me off guard, where they kind of blew it and that kind of lost the game for them. That first. Uh, Second, I believe it was possession where they went forward and didn't quite get it. I just mean like be, be a little more conscious with it. If you're if you're that good, keep going with it. But maybe more importantly, the running game needs to be a bit more consistent than last year because it kind of tapered off part way through. Because mm-hmm. that running game gets going, that's a pretty big deal. And the offensive line, which was terrible versus La Tech in the bowl game, if that experience is back and they can limit those sacks allowed, and it, it is, they are. That's what I just said. So I think I put Hawaii. Let me pull up my my position here. I put Hawaii fifth, as did a few other people as well. Three people put, put Hawaii fifth. So a few people put actually put Hawaii fourth. I might have been one of those people. Do you remember where you put um, Utah State at all? I'm pretty sure I had Utah State in the top three. Top three. Yeah. I'm not sure which one's yours. I was kind of going off there. But uh, I think a bowl game's, again, going to happen. I would say overall, like, let me pull up the schedules. We can run through this a bit more because they're a bit more interesting. Like, the eight home games is huge. Like, they're going to be – like, the only loss – I'd say this. The only loss I would say for sure, like, honestly, it's probably only at Washington. That's it. Like, a guaranteed for sure loss. I'd say probably – maybe probably Boise as well. But the, all their games are winnable, I think, for the most part. Fresno's tough, but it's, all the tough games come to home, buddy. That's all it is. Yeah. Dang. So you think 10 wins is a possibility for them? 10 and 3? I definitely think so. I think a bowl game is the floor for the Warriors this fall. It's a good plan. That's what they need to do. All right, next game. Next up, let's kind of kind of go through these. We're, t- we're, at, we're at 80 minutes, folks. You're welcome. Uh, Nevada, we've kind of discussed them quite a bit. New quarterback, lost a lot of transfers. We mentioned at the beginning of the show. They are put fifth overall. That puts them third in the West. What's your biggest concern for Nevada? Can the defense keep it together? Because that was what enabled them to make a big jump from two years ago to last year. Okay. So that's correct. Even with position changes, hopefully they learned from that where, hey, we know we're like, not to make, can be condescending, but hey, we know we can put like Malik Reed, change the position. That was a big question. Will he be as successful going from position A to B? And they sound, yes, he was very good. Mm-hmm. But like Corey Rush is gone. You mentioned all the guys are losing, but they have guys back. Like look at the bowl game. Look at all the young guys in the bowl game that stepped up and played well. That needs to carry over and should carry over in a low defensive game against um, who they put? Arkansas State, right? Yeah, in the bowl yeah. game, low scoring game. They had wide receivers who stepped up who didn't play. They didn't have Mannix in that game. I think their biggest concern for me, defense, is in that. But I'll do go another one. Quarterback, Ty Gandy was pretty good, and if they can stick with the quarterback or not stick with, uh, sorry to use that again, but find a quarterback and that's comparable to Ty Gandy, this team should be back in another bowl game and probably cause some trouble in the uh, West division. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you look beyond the the early part of their conference schedule or their non-conference schedule, excuse me, 
because they open at home versus Purdue and at Oregon. Those are two really tough games right mm-hmm. off the bat. Yeah, Purdue kept Jeff Brom around, so that's big for them. But there's a stretch after that where if they can hit their stride after their trip to Eugene, you know, if they can answer that quarterback question, if the defense can be solid, you know, they could very well be back in the mix for a conference title because, you know, home home versus Weber State at UTEP, home versus Hawaii, home versus San Jose State. If they can at least get off to a 2-0 and start conference play, I think that makes them a factor. It does, you know, yeah. Even if they do have a lot of road games on the schedule after that, because after hosting San Jose State, they get four of the next five on the road, including back-to-back at San Diego State at Fresno State. Well, back-to-back Logan and Laramie. Come on, those aren't easy places to get to. That's tough. So that, whew. you're right. Like, uh, And also remember, we talked lots of Weber State. Don't chalk that up, chalk that up as a 100% victory. They could score a lot of points, just saying. That's true. I mean, like I said, I think you're right. I think that if they can solve the quarterback issue, you know, overall, when with regards to returning production, they're kind of in the middle of the pack nationally, but they're in the top 40 as far as who that because they're basically bringing everybody else back besides Ty Ganji. They're yeah. bringing back Toa Tawa. They're bringing back Kelton Moore, mm-hmm. Devontae Lee, and I think other than Mannix, everybody else is coming back from the receiving core too. Fair point. Excellent. True. Uh, as overall, it gets... Yeah, man, those games are tough. Those two, that four, the October, November, man. I don't know. Like, are they better than Fresno? I don't know. Are they better than San Diego State? Probably. Probably. I'd agree with that. I would put them, like, right now, probably second in the West Division. Well, I don't know, because you got Hawaii, too. Hawaii, we, you like Hawaii a lot, so. The West Division is going to be more interesting. It may not be as – it's going to be better, but also I think super interesting. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. Just because we'll get to Fresno, but like what they lose, what San Diego State loses, comes back, we'll get to all those. But I think I think Nevada, same thing, like the bowl game should be what they're looking for, but also would not be over, overly surprised with the toughness over the last six weeks. They may not make a bowl game because Purdue's probably a loss. Oregon's a loss. They could lose to Hawaii. That's a possible loss. They could lose to at Utah State. That's four losses. San Diego State, maybe. Now, I still think a bowl game is realistic, but I think they may they may pull. Well, I can't say they put do a Hawaii last year, who was what five and zero, six and one. But I think they could be like one, two, three. Say they beat Hawaii, four and two, heading into the Utah State game. Then they kind of do the reserve reverse on the way on the back end, mm-hmm. or they only beat say UNLV in New Mexico. Yeah, but I think it's. <laughs> If they're going to win the division, they're going to have to do it by winning on the road. Oh, it, obviously, that's the look at their cross division: Utah State, Wyoming, and uh, who's the other one? New Mexico. Okay, mm-hmm. easily forgettable logos. Lobos, I'm guessing. So, you think what eight wins is probably at least you're looking at with them? I think somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah, I think anything okay. less than like six and six is going to be a massive disappointment. All right, let's move on to the next one here. I'm, I I think uh, I think a bowl game is their baseline, but also might be. I, I can maybe go seven wins. I don't know. Even because remember, I'm also the guy last year figured they could win ten games last year, mm-hmm. and so but seven would be a step back. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe with all those guys returning, they could do it. It's just that back end is is pretty brutal. So I think about seven ish. All right, San Diego State. We discussed this last week or two weeks ago. Good old Rocky Long brought in a JUCO quarterback. 
to uh, mm-hmm. and I don't know if they're still looking at grad transfer route, but that tells me Ryan Agnew's job is not safe. Despite him saying, "Hey, buddy, your job really is safe." When he whispers, "No, it's not," <laughs> to one of the coaches, they do have Juwan Washington back. They lose a bunch on defense. They do arguably have the best defender back in the conference in uh, Tenzi, right? Is that is that a good nickname for him? Kaiva Tizina. Kaiva Tizina. Can I call him Tenzi? Is that okay with everybody? No, I think yeah, six fans are going to get super mad at you. About I that. apologize. I just. I knew his name was somewhere in that vicinity, and I don't have every roster in front of me. So, but I did say possibly the best defender. Does that make up for it? We'll go with that. Sure, I'll say it, they will. Uh, their biggest issue, like look at last year, the stupid fade pattern to the Hawaii Bull game, Hawaii game. They screwed around at quarterback. They are. You no, know it's interesting. Their tight end might be like a fourth round pick, and they never gave him the ball last year as much as they should have. And remember, Matt, they're also going to more of a uh, open set offense shotgun but still running the ball a lot so we'll see how that will translate to them still having one of the best running attacks in the conference yeah i mean i think that you know aztecs fans might be disappointed with how last year shook out but i don't know if the situation is quite as dire as it is for some other teams in the conference like to me the the bigger questions are what are they going to do up front because they're losing a lot of experience on the defensive line. And that's one of those those quiet things that makes a huge difference for what the Aztecs are able to do on defense. You know, they're graduating Chibo Onyuku, they're graduating Noble Hall, Anthony Luke is gone. You know, all of a sudden you're looking for three new guys to step up and take on more prominent roles. Ronley Lakalaka's gone. But on the back end, the only guy that they're losing is Parker Baldwin. Mm-hmm. And the defense was still pretty good last year, all things considered. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a matter of, you know, they're kind of the opposite of, of a lot of these other teams is what are they going to do on offense? What is that new look offense going to look like? Because I think whether it's Agnew or whether it's the new guy that they brought in from Juco, you know, if they can at least get fairly consistent play, I think they could easily get back to where they were a couple of years ago. Maybe, but they also, like... I don't know. It's just they never have a good receiver, and they lose their best receiver from last year. It's like if you tell me who a receiver is on the team, I'd probably say – if you tell me Aztecs or accountant, I'd probably say accountant every time because I don't know any Aztec wide receiver that's any good. But yeah, but you could have said that two or three years ago when, that's they my were point. Ten, when they were winning 10 games. I know, but I've always said forever, if they're going to be real – like they've been good. Like they've been really good. 30-plus wins before this last year, 10 wins in a row. If they wanted to be considered – they're always like, we don't get the respect. It's always Boise, 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 whatever. Have a above-average passing game. I don't care if you're running the ball 75% of the time. That 25% you're throwing can't be completing 50% of the passes and like 10 touchdowns for your quarterback or 15 touchdowns. They need to have whatever percentage they throw needs to be well above average, and they'll be one of the best teams every single year. They just, for some reason, can't figure that out. You have a good offensive line every year, a good running game, Quarterbacks who don't turn the ball over, great. I know they run more, but when they throw, I'm always cringing when there's a outside of David Wells, cringing what they're going to do passing the ball when it's third and twelve. I, I'd say they're not going to get it every time. I would place money, and probably be successful. I don't know. Do you have their third down conversion rate up there anywhere, Matt? You can pull up real quick. Uh, give me just a second. But if you my want to point, yeah, my point is, I said it forever. If they had a good passing team offense. Do it. They just – I don't trust their passing game at all. 
I know. Chat, La- okay, so what are they last third year? Down? Last year they were thirty-five percent on third downs. There the year go. before that, they were at forty-four point eight. What's what's typically good at third down? Uh, you know what? I'm having to I'm having to toggle between tabs. Let me see here. Okay, so third down conversion this past year, Boise was first at fifty-two percent. So the middle of the pack was about thirty-seven percent in the conference. So in the conference, so San Diego State was below average last year. So where where they had been above average in a couple of years before that. Okay, let's go nationally. About thirty-nine percent is a national, or yeah, six one thirty sixty-five. Stanford is middle of the pack, thirty-nine percent. Get me to forty-three percent, and the and this and also that's obviously combo running past if it's third and short, but. I've said it. If they could have a whenever when they throw the ball, if they could be above average, they would be like almost unstoppable. They'd be really, really, really good. And I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. I think the bar for San Diego State's offense is a little different than a lot of the other teams we're talking about, simply because their priorities are different. I get that. I think what's going to make a difference in 2019 too, going back to the schedule, is I think their schedule is a lot more forgiving than some of the other teams we talked about. Because if you look at their non-conference slate you know BYU at the end of the year is probably gonna be a pretty tough mm-hmm. but you know they could probably get by even if the offense is a work in progress in September you know home versus Weber State at UCLA at New Mexico State I really don't see them losing any of those games you think they'll beat UCLA I, I think they should beat UCLA yeah <laughs> they should who lost a recruit who decided to walk on at Washington besides taking a scholarship at UCLA and, and that and, tells you anything. <laughs> and even though, and, and interestingly, the uh, the front of their conference schedule is their three interdivision games. They go, you know, home versus Utah State at Colorado State, home versus Wyoming. Interesting. And so, if they can go two and one, you know, all of a sudden you're sitting there in the middle of October with a winning record overall, and. You know, after that, they go at San Jose State, at UNLV. Mm-hmm. Back-to-back road games are never that easy, but you're going up against teams that Winnable. should be in a position to beat. And so by the time they get to December, or excuse me, November, where you're facing the upper-tier teams in the division, you know, this is definitely a situation where San, Jose, or excuse me, San Diego State could sneak up and win another division if things go their way. Yeah, because Nevada's winnable, at Hawaii's winnable. Fresno State's pretty tough, but that wouldn't say it's not a winnable game. Yeah, I mean, I think the defense is going to be fine. It's those big offensive questions that you that you brought up. But even if it takes a while to get going, it's still a situation where I think you joked about it with the basketball team right now. <laughs> they could be the kind of team that nobody wants to play in November. Yeah. Want to hear something crazy about the schedule? There's Out of all the games they play, I could see them beating every team at any given point in the year. If things come together, they could, yeah. Well, I'm not saying 12-0, but I'm like, say they any team on the schedule, they have the chance to win. I would not count them out of any game at all they played this year. Like I think you're right. Part of it is it's who they play and how good this team is. I just want to see – like, it's just me kind of repeating for what I said last year, year before. Aztec fans hate it. I'm like, well, Mike, Christian Chapman's great. I'm fine. I'm like, yeah, he had that one huge drive versus Wyoming to come back. He doesn't turn the ball over. But you got to do something to take the next, take, go to the next step, right? At some point, you got to have a passing game that's even even if you throw, like I said, twenty five percent of the time, your splits that lopsided the running. When you throw the ball, you have to be good at it. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you dig into the numbers, and we'll talk more about this in length and team previews and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
I think you can make a fairly convincing case that last year was more of an aberration than a sign of things to come. True, but it, they've also never been really good. I, I don't want to get into it again now because we have plenty of time. But I'm just saying, dude, when's your last really good quarterback? Ryan Lindley? And he was really good. So. See, I don't know if you're giving Chapman enough credit, especially when he was winning games and he was doing exactly what the offense needed no, to do. I, I get that, but I don't know. Maybe my, my expectation is too far off because I know he didn't turn the ball over. He scored when they needed to. But like I said, if it's a third down play and they have to throw it, I'm not trusting that to happen. I would figure it's going to turn the ball over if it's third and seven or more. Well, I mean, without having the numbers in front of me, for some reason, Bill Connolly's stat profile isn't wanting to cooperate with me today. Bill, get on that. Yeah, somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody at SBN underscore Bill C. Um, but I think that it's not going to take that much of a rebound for San Diego State to be a serious threat again. No, I'll just put it that way. Yeah, they had all the injuries last year, which really hurt them a lot. So yeah, if again, same with Hawaii, find a quarterback, stick with the quarterback, they'll be fine. I maybe I'm asking too much of them because they if they here's my point. Maybe here's why I'm too hard on them, but they'll move on. If they say they want to be get the respect as Boise State and all these other great teams, it might maybe it's me saying do more than what you're doing, right? Maybe it's because they they want their respect, but their overall offensively isn't there. Do you get my point? Like if they want to be considered, if they want their respect to be that great, they need to prove me prove to me that you're great at like every aspect of the game. And see, I think, and I think we talked about this in weeks past, so I'll just reiterate it again. I think it's more a matter of not necessarily shoring up your weaknesses as much as just re- bolstering your strengths, which I think is what this new offensive system is meant to do. You know, they want to run the ball. They're and going to run if, the ball too. And that was one of the big reasons last year that it was, it was, it was, there was a big letdown was that the running game was not as efficient pretty much overall as it had been in years past. And like I said, I don't think it's going to take much of a rebound no. for that to really rectify itself in the win column. Yeah, a couple offensive linemen, but yeah, whatever. We knew there's a ton of injuries. That was the issue. All right, let's – whew, this going to be a two-hour show, folks. Get ready. Utah State. Um, here's what we know about Utah State. New head coach. Basically, every single coach is back. Or not back, excuse me. Jordan Love quarterback. Um, really quick, is he going to be preseason offensive player of the year? I think he's probably one of the front runners. yeah. Would you vote for him? Um, yeah, probably. Like, who else would there, honestly, who else would be there to vote for? Maybe Juwan Washington? Um, Ronnie Mills, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Okay. All right, yeah, we can do that. I'll get your message. Um, so, well, really quick, what are we doing here for uh, Utah State? The new coach, new, losing Darwin Thompson, losing Tarver, losing, but they bring back most of their defense, too. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. There, I put them high. They're they're they got a first place vote by somebody. Yeah, and I mean, I think that there's definitely good reason for that. They're probably neck and neck with Boise, because if the time is going to be now to seize a conference championship, like you know, with Boise reloading as much as they are, mm-hmm. 2019 is it. And if you look at the schedule, you can pretty much see that laid out. Where there's not really a lot to. I mean, Wake Forest going to Wake Forest is probably going to be tough. But I expect them to put a better showing than they did the last time they went to Winston Salem. But it's not really that tough, though. It, it, it might be. Wake Forest is not a team to be ignored. We'll talk about that more in the yeah. future. Um, but then, you know, Stony Brook eh, at San Diego State, home versus Colorado State. You know, it, the September is a little different because their non conference games are a little more spread out yeah, than LSU, most other Mountain West teams. LSU, BYU. And, you know, I don't. 
I mean, I could definitely see next year shaping up like last year did where, you know, other than the LSU game in the middle of, in the beginning of October, this is a team that could easily be going into Boise or not going into Boise, hosting Boise in November with, you know, a spot in the conference title at stake. I, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I would say that Utah State fans should expect that with the amount of experience they have coming back. I was the lone person to put Utah State number one. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's crazy. People are like, well, boy, they didn't win the division, conference, whatever. Like, well, we've already mentioned what boys, well, whatever, we've said a million times. I think with having the best quarterback, senior, not senior quarterback, but a returning quarterback with a ton of talent and what he has and decent players around him and a coach who knows what he's doing in the league, who's been here before, and with the defense back, I don't see why they shouldn't be considered in the conversation for the favorite. I'm the, I'm the minority here, so I get that and what everybody chose. But like you said, they go, they get a bye week, did play at San Diego State. That'll be an interesting game. CSU should be fine to win. They're not going to beat LSU, but who knows what they can do scoring some points in the defense. But they get Nevada at home, BYU at home. They, toughest games, what, at Fresno, really, in conference? It might be, yeah. And so BYU be better because Zach Wilson's there. They're running back. Uh, Lapina Katoa is really good. They might have a red receiver. I can't promise BYU will have a red receiver, but maybe they will have a receiver. So it just sets up nicely. Like they, their bye week. The only big concern is their bye week is early, and that's the biggest problem for me and them. They do have one after LSU, going into Nevada, but their schedule, like league play, like who they play in the other division, Fresno, okay, Nevada, and San Diego State. Those are kind of tough, but. I think they'll build off of last year and be in the same kind of neighborhood of what they're doing. They probably won't score 40-plus a game, but they'll be fine. I think nine wins is going to be the floor for this team right now. Ooh, nine. So what are you thinking? If that's the case, who is it? Loss, LSU? I think the the diciest propositions are at Wake, at LSU, at Fresno, home versus Boise. Yeah, those are four toughest games. Aztecs, a close fifth. Yeah, I would would say that. They'd be a slightly step behind. Uh, I, I kind of agree. Well, I have to agree. I put him number one, so why should I go away from that, right? There you go. I think, like, realistically, like, this realistically is a relative turn in February, but I don't I don't see why 11 wins could not be a realistic possibility. I mean, if they're, I think if they hit their ceiling and everything goes their way, absolutely. Yeah, because, like I said, like, who they play, I'd say probably, I'd say nine is probably where they might end up, but nine plus, I'm with you, nine plus should be what they're looking at this year. Definitely. Moving on to the good old boys state Broncos who received three first place votes tied for first and they have to return a lot. We've already mentioned that like what every other team, right? Quarterback running mm-hmm. back top wide receiver, a couple defenders. Does it matter? I mean, I think maybe it matters a little. I, I guess it depends on how you slice it because they return a lot more on defense than they do on offense so even if the offense takes a minor step back, you know, the defense has enough playmakers where they should be they should be the best defense in the conference on a per play basis next yeah. year. Yeah, probably right. It's just a matter of and, and even if it takes a while, even if they end up having like non-conference issues like they did a couple of years ago where they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do at Virginia. quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Or the Washington State game, for instance. Uh, the shovel pass. Never forget the shovel pass. <laughs> but but even then, you know, I think that this year's non-conference schedule gives them the benefit of being able to figure that out because, you know, neutral site game against Florida State, all of a sudden the Seminoles kind of look like a mess. 
Dude, they were a mess last year. Yeah, and, and they dismissed DeAndre Francois. They have recently. one scholarship quarterback on the roster. Things are going great, Tallahassee. Do you think we can get Brandon to go to that game? Is he close enough to Jacksonville? I'm sure he is. We should ask him if he wants to go hang out that game and root against the uh, Seminoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that game, like even even with like yeah, it's Florida State, great. They what they win? Were they six and six last year? Or they end up not going to the bowl game. I forget what they end up doing. I think they were five and seven, if I'm they, not mistaken. Five and seven. They were. Let me double check here. But regardless, even if they went six and six. Yeah, they did not go to a bowl game. Lost to uh, Florida. They barely beat Boston College. Uh, I would say that's a winnable game there for them, possibly. Because they have talent there. They recruit better than Boise, even though Boise does a really good job. Like, overall, like Marshall, they're, I need to do more research on them, but that's at home. That's a Conference USA team. They probably should win. they got Portland State and then Air Force, the bye week. That Air Force game will be huge. It could be probably 2-1 and one at least heading into that game. You would think so. And yeah. by then, hopefully they'd have stuff figured out, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, we don't know the names, but we know it'll be fine. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like it'll be like we're not, we're going to be kind of vague and who's going where. Like maybe it'll be the new recruit from the quarterback coming in who they just signed. Maybe the running back they pulled out from California will be the starting running back. They'll have a dual freshman quarterback running back combo. That would be pretty amazing. Who knows? But that we have the confidence that if the offense struggles, defense will slow teams down enough, and this offense probably won't score what they have been. But they may not need to score that many points. Well, I mean, the Boise State's one of those teams that by virtue of the fact that they just they win every year give it to them that that they have earned the benefit of the doubt um you know whether it's chase court or jalen henderson or or even the true freshman like hank bachmeyer you know if one of those guys steps up and and takes control of the offense i think everything else is pretty much going to fall into place because they have enough coming back everywhere else and looking where which is how the schedule plays out after that like they the conference schedule is fine like in the west division they play UNLV, which should be fine. Should be win Hawaii, not too difficult. And San Jose State. So their schedule is pretty easy this year in league play. Mm-hmm. They get Wyoming, Wyoming at home. And uh, who else they got at home? Like, it's simple. Like, New Mexico at home, whatever. Who cares? Air Force at home, that's tough, but that's at home. Their toughest game. I will say the toughest game all year might be at Utah State. I think you're right, yeah. Cause just because the way Florida State struggled last year, it'll be tough. It's a, more of a, quote, like a name game they're going to play. Like if they beat Florida State... It, I don't know if they'll be favored in that game. Probably it'll be pretty close, but I don't know. It's they'll be fine. They're they're probably going to contend for the conference. They're going to win all these games. Like if there's a game they're going to lose in league play, it's going to be probably one Utah State, two Air Force. I mean, they're pretty much the safest bet for ten wins in the conference, right? Hmm, safest bet? Probably since they always do it. So yeah, I'll say yes. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't want to think if you had to think about that one. With well, this no, schedule? I, no, no, I meant with everybody else. Like, who could get ten wins this year? Like a safe bet. No, schedule wise, definitely. Schedule's gonna be like Utah State was last year, essentially a pretty poor schedule. So when it comes down to going up against like oh maybe it's UCF, maybe it's some MAC team, somebody from the American about going through straight the schedule if they're gonna be in contention for a New Year's Six game, the schedule will come back and get them. Unless say Florida State does really good and like. Not teams overachieve. Say Florida State gets back to eight to ten wins. Hawaii gets the double digit wins. Utah State, BYU turns it around. They're kind of hoping for a schedule to be tougher based on what these teams do. Who, outside of Utah State, weren't all that good last year or finished with a good record last year. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know what else we can really say in Boise State just because we don't know who's out there. 
who's playing. So it's kind of say, oh, we'll see Hank do this against Hawaii. But let's go to the other end. If they're going to have a, a down year because they have all these new guys, what would like what would you see as a down year for them? Hmm. I mean, I think it would be instances where the offense lets them down. Mm-hmm. And I think in that case, you know, it really took the offensive performance to slop, to stop Air Force, like you said last year. Um, you know, maybe Hawaii, maybe BYU, maybe Utah State. So, I mean, I think maybe the, abs- the absolute floor is probably like eight wins, but I think everybody would be shocked if that actually played out. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, eight, eight wins. I'd, I'd maybe put Wyoming in there if their defense is fine, but it's – like if it's fewer than eight wins, there's something wrong. Yeah, they probably pretty, really should win. Much. Like you said, ten. Like if I'm gonna say this team ten wins, most likely you're correct. Boise State. All right, let's wrap this up. I, I can't talk much longer. Fresno State, <laughs> six first place votes. We finally get to your team, Matt. Your Fresno State Fighting Bulldogs have to replace Marcus McMarion, Keyshawn Johnson, um, tight end Rice. What's his first name? Jared Rice. No, he, he's still there. Oh, he is? Oh, I apologize. Sorry. He's like he's like the only pass catcher yeah. that's still there. <laughs> there he's the like pass catcher there. They lose defensively. Jeff Allison, defensive player of the year. They lose. Is Juju gone as well? No, Juju's still there. Mike Bell. Juju gone. Hughes. Yeah. Mike Bell is gone. That's what it is. So I know a few uh, Tank Kelly is gone. Tank Kelly is gone, yeah. George Helmuth is gone. James Bailey. They're, they're losing a lot. Like we, t- we mentioned it in last week's podcast, but they are next to last uh, com- in combined returning production. The only team losing more is uh, Alabama Birmingham. Okay. Which is kind of odd, but okay. <laughs> it is. I mean, well, no, it is kind of interesting that the two teams that won like 11 and 12 games last year are among the teams losing the most well, true, in but 2019. Well, I met UAB just because they just started the program back up again. That's true. So, That's also true. All right. Let's get to the schedule here really quick. They go to USC. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that game really quick? Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what that offense looks like under Graham Harrell. Passing, probably. Probably. Because <laughs> um, JT Daniels had an up-and-down la- year last year for the Trojans. I think in the long run he'll be okay, but it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly that comes together. Because we saw them struggle a little bit in the opener last year against UNLV. But conversely, because they're because the Bulldogs are replacing so much on defense... Yeah, it's kind of an open question. It, like they're almost guaranteed they're going to take a step back on defense. The only question is how much. Because if they fall back to, I don't know, the national average, then you're probably looking at a team that wins seven or eight games. But if they can still be in the top forty, for instance, then you're probably talking about a team that can win eight or nine games. For USC. Yeah. Okay. So I- it's kind of I'm like I toss up. I don't know if it's a toss-up. I would say I would probably favor USC right now. Can they stop Ronnie Rivers? Good question. Who's going to be quarterback? That's another good question. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I would guess it's going to be Jorge Reina, but yeah. I'm assuming that there will be a competition for that in uh, spring ball. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they could beat USC, but it's going to be just slight edge just because they got better talent it's clear just because recruiting rankings and who they bring in who they can bring in but then again new oc who i i, I can't take everything off the bowl game because they lost mason uh the first they play like four quarterbacks in the bowl game versus utah state at north texas mm-hmm. so i expect a lot of passing 
Fresno's defense is good. They're losing players, but it'll be and USC is going to be adjusting too. So as will Fresno. But I'd probably lean with you. But I think Fresno could get it done. Like give Ronnie Rivers the ball, let him see what he can do against the Trojans. Go for it. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how the offense changes, if it changes at all. You know, since they have promoted Ryan Grubb, I, I don't know if it's official yet. I probably should have checked uh, that. I think roster. it is. Um, because, you know, he and I mentioned in the article that I wrote when the first report came up from Football Scoop that this isn't the first time he's replaced DeBoer as an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. But it's not like NAIA Sioux Falls missed a beat when sure. Grubb took over. Yeah, so that. I would kind of expect to see a similar kind of offense where it's it's mostly balanced. It's, it's more predicated on efficiency and getting the ball it, into you know five or six different guys' hands where even if they don't have a Keyshawn Johnson set to step up, you know Jared Rice is probably going to shoulder a lot of that load and they've been recruiting really well where maybe some of the young guys they've recruited last year or even this year can step into a role. So if they get those guys coming in, like I think Minnesota better be win based off what happened last year, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then look at the rest of the way. Like the schedule, it's like yeah, they get the two P five teams and they get Sac State and New Mexico State. What's up with the road game in Las Cruces, Matt? How did that? What, what's the deal? No, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't expect them to lose it. <laughs> no, they should not lose it. But in league play, like they have an off week then two probably gimme wins. Air Force is going to be tough. Like, inter-division games. Air, at Air Force, hosting CSU, win. And then the big one, Utah State. They miss Boise State. They miss Wyoming. They miss a couple of the decent teams out in that mountain division. Mm-hmm. So, with the league play, they go to Hawaii as well. Can't forget that one, right? Yeah. With new quarterback, new receivers. Like, is your where did you rank them in our poll? Do you remember where you put them at? Did you put them number one? I'm pretty sure I did, and I'm pretty sure I justified it by subscribing to the you got to beat the best to be the best philosophy. That's why people didn't like my Utah State thing. <laughs> so are they – but do you – do you, okay, do you say that because they were the best, or do you actually believe they could repeat? Or, they, or are you just saying they should be number one headed into the year? Well, I mean I think just personally the way I see things that I would put them number one. But I think that – you know, even though they're losing so much, like kind of an unparalleled amount on both sides of the ball, just the way they were able to turn things around so quickly mm-hmm. leads me to believe that it may be less significant than for other teams that are losing a lot. Like like we talked about earlier with Colorado State, where you might expect a significant backslide and that might that will probably end up being not as dramatic as a lot of people would expect in that situation. Well, they did take one and eleven to division championship with not as any with zero basically zero of his own players. Yeah. So after recruiting a couple of years, building some winning game winning games, you're right. And looking at again back to who they play, like Utah State will be very difficult. Uh, Fresno or not Fresno, but I'm um, sorry, Go, Fresno at Hawaii, like. Nevada, they like they get these games at home, like Nevada, Utah State. All these tougher games are at home. Mm-hmm. Their toughest conference game, is, well, I guess the road game is at Colorado State. Or excuse me, sorry, excuse me, sorry. I look at Colorado Springs Air Force. Sorry, I'm just staring at Colorado Springs and thinking Colorado State. But that is their toughest. Uh, maybe Hawaii. I don't know. Those are two games that they should win, but those aren't easy. But they're not like, oh no, we're going to 
back to Logan or back to Boise or San Diego. You know what I mean? Or I guess yeah, you I mean, go to San Diego, but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's it's like you said earlier, the West division is going to be a, probably a lot more wide open than it has been in years past. But Fresno State is definitely still a significant part. Like the, the division's probably still going to run through Fresno. Yeah. I'm thinking about now, like looking through what Nevada has to replace, San Diego. Everybody has issues, even Fresno. But here's the thing. San Diego State, quarterback, who knows? Hawaii, quarterback, what are they doing? Nevada doesn't have a quarterback. See my theme, no quarterback for anybody. UNLV injuries at quarterback. Defense is awful. San Jose State clearly two, at least two years away probably. They're looking at 2020 to be competitive. And Fresno, not that like they have their own they have their same losses, but they're the only team that the past two years, they're the most stable team in wins the past two years. Mm-hmm. And so saying they're the champ, I'm not quite yet to go there, but for the West Division. It makes complete sense that they should be the front runner right now until we start seeing a couple games. Yeah, I mean, I think they are kind of like Boise, where the floor is probably eight wins. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's probably more realistic that they end up somewhere in the neighborhood of eight or nine wins. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to crack ten again. Yeah, because like, like I could see them like realistically. Could they lose at San Diego State? Yes. Could they lose out Hawaii? Yes. Because it was at Air Force, for me, probably yes, but that's probably easier, more closely than people think, just because it's a road game and Air Force is tricky, and they didn't play Air Force the past two years. Mm-hmm. Like, when's the last time Jeff Tedford seen the triple option up close? I'm just saying. That's a good question. And so that's stuff to look at. But the, And then you get USC, obviously. Like, there's only, at their whole schedule, there's probably eight wins is my baseline for them. Yeah. Because cause if I'm looking at any losses on the schedule, it's at USC, at Air Force, at Hawaii, maybe five. Okay, I can see maybe five losses if things go worst case scenario. Seven wins: Utah State, San Diego State, Air Force, USC, and uh, oh, maybe it is only four. Is that right? Whatever, seven or eight. I think that no, I don't. We've been talking too long. Let me start <laughs> off. USC possible loss, Air Force possible loss, Hawaii possible loss, Utah State and San Diego State. There we go. Those games are probably those could be losses. I wouldn't put Nevada there, but they're close, but not quite, I'd say. They have five potential losses. They're not going to lose all five of those games. Mm-hmm. So I think eight wins, eight to ten. There you go, right? Book it. Yeah. All right, anything else we need We need to discuss? <laughs> no, I think I need a drink of water, actually. I, I do. I brought a small cup, and it wasn't large enough for me. So this is going to be a two-hour podcast. You're welcome. Doesn't mean we're not doing a show next week, but if you listen this long, we appreciate it. Check us out, MWR.com. We're still trying to crank out our all-time teams. It takes time to do that, folks. It's not an easy process. We will have, by the time you listen to this, New Mexico and probably Hawaii up as well. So we'll be back next week to talk. Uh, we're going to talk offline about what we're going to discuss because I have a few ideas, but my throat is going away as yours is Matt. So we'll see everybody next time, okay?